0: I like th- tree- that to move and move I like to move and move I like to move and
1: move You like to move I like to move and move I like to move and move I like to move and move You like to
0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. My name is Dan Scully.
2: My name is Garrett Smith. And, Dan, I don't know how you do it, but you have begun to just one-up yourself with each one of these, like, successes week after week. That was incredible. Thank you, thank you. We we are going to talk about The Mercenary today. I'll just put that on Front Street because we're going to have to talk about this now. That whistle part of the score is, I'm pretty, okay, I know that. And I think it's because Tarantino uses it in one of his yeah. movies, but I can't remember which movie it's in.
0: Uh, Kill Bill is replete with with okay. uh, music cues from this. That whistle yeah. is in there. Yeah. Right, um, and one the of the orchestrals, right? During the, what was that? One of
2: the orchestral parts plays during Kill Bill, I think, a few times.
0: Yes, when, um, when Bill stands up to take his final walk, I yes. believe, is the same music as is during the, um, and we'll get to it, but the, knock down kick you in the ass incredible clown versus curly showdown
1: yes okay awesome
0: oh, yes. that's the best one i ever seen in my life
2: yes yep. um okay. but yeah right. i'm pretty
0: sure that that it's yes. i know that it's in kill bill when bill takes the walk and i'm pretty sure that's where it is in this movie
1: yep i think but,
0: you're right uh yeah, yeah. Oh. oh you're good you're good okay Yeah, I guess our listeners, just heads up, we're having a little connectivity issues, so there might be some gaps in understanding here. But yes, we will be talking about the Sergio Corbucci movie, uh, The Mercenary, and we're going to do that in a little bit. But first, we're going to get some housekeeping out of the way. Of course, please like, subscribe, tell all of your friends. I Like To Movie Movie is proud now to be part of the Movie John podcast network. And so everything that was Cinema 76 is being absorbed into the Movie John. So you can find our written word work there as well. And all of our uh, brother and sister podcasts uh, are connected through that. So it's really just kind of a, a great source for anything. If you like us, you'll like that and vice versa. Yeah. So uh, definitely like and subscribe, share, and do all that. And I don't yeah. know. I'm ready to talk a little I'm bit ready. about, a, find us about Not the Mercenary, if you want. Yeah, I
2: know, I know. Uh, and find us everywhere at I like 2 movie uh, That's a numeric Yes. Just wanted to throw that in. Uh, well, so, yeah, I mean, before we move on to the very important topic of Twister, which is what we're going to get to next, I just want to one more time compliment. I don't know how you pulled the whistling off. I, I could not. I've been all week trying to whistle this whistling part, and I cannot do <laughs> it. I can't. It's so hard. But I don't know if I nailed it, but I know that the 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 way to get it, like
0: I don't know how many right. are in there, but it's the at the end. That's yeah. the hook. If you get okay. that, the rest All you right. can kind of fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I can tell you what my secret is. My secret was I listened to the score most of the day while I was working today, yeah. and I had like a hellishly busy work day. So uh, the same way that you know anyone listens to music when they're working, you just kind of tap your brain into the music, so you don't have to think about work. And the whistle is on like six different tracks on this score; like it just okay. keeps coming yeah. in. It is like the yep. coda. Yep.
1: Um,
0: and then at lunch, you go to the uh, Ballet Bakery on <laughs> uh, I think Seventh in Washington. You get a giant Vietnamese coffee, and you drink that. Yeah. And I guarantee you, at that point, you'll be whistling anything you want yeah. uh, with as much perfection as needed and as much, as much uh, uh, disdain towards judgment as uh-huh. is required for performance. So,
2: thank uh, you. I, I love it. Well, I, thanks for bringing that. I, uh, You know, I, I this week I've been listening to the soundtrack to a movie called Born in Flames. Have you ever heard of it? I that? know the
0: name. I've not seen it.
2: Yeah, so it's like a, uh, I guess you would say it's like a fake documentary. It's not quite that... But that's like I think like closest to the format of it that I could describe. Mm. Um, that that basically come it's like a I don't know it comes from like an alternate United States where we've elected a Democratic Socialist Party. Ooh, okay. But everything is still exactly the same. It has uh. like it has earned us nothing to have done this. Uh, is kind of the like sad, you know, truth of this like
0: movie. yeah, humans got a human
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, and so anyway, it's got this incredible kind of. Uh, it's sort of like post-punk is like the soundtrack of all of it. It's like late seventies, early eighties, okay. like you know, late disco, early punk kind of stuff going on. I, don't, I guess it's called like no wave. I don't know. Uh, our friend Adrian, you know Adrian, you know Adriana from CinePunks? like the Cynapunks circle. Yeah, article? yeah. Uh, they, they've been recommending me a bunch of music from this movie, but anyway, it's got this great title song. I think the band is called Red Crayola. Uh, the song is "Born in Flames," and the and the 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 chorus is "We are born in flames. We are born in flames."
0: And
1: all week
2: long, I've just been doing that over and over again. I can't stop. Oh, I love so it. I'm oh, having I'm the same experience with different music.
0: Yeah, I yeah I've I've only spoken with Adriana in passing. Yeah. Um just via, like, Twitter and Facebook and stuff, but they've always got good recommendations. Yep. Um, so, right on. Right on. Adrian oh, rocks. So, Border Flips, okay, I'm going to add that to my list.
2: Yeah, you know what? It's on, like, uh, Criterion and Canopy right now, I think. Uh, oh, right on. Highly recommend. it. Re- it's a great movie. I fucking loved it. Um, but well, the music I'll especially what, just, like, kicks ass.
0: If we're talking Criterion, uh, I just want to double drop. Irma Vep is on oh, Criterion. Yeah. Watch that. Quit your job, watch it tonight. It <laughs> is. It is... Incredible. And then just the other night I watched uh The Wages of Fear. Oh yeah. I've been the original Sorcerer. It's good. (laughs) I like Sorcerer better. Um, but it it does have Wages has some of the best acting I have ever seen. Oh cool. And the ways that because I'm sitting there going like what I love about Sorcerer is they just like threw a truck in the jungle and blew (laughs) shit up and did you know. And I was like, how are they gonna do that on a 19, I think, 53? Mm -hmm. Like, how is that gonna be in a 1953 movie? And it's it's different. Like, there's different they have to do different tasks that are equally harrowing but require less visual panache.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like
0: instead of the big bridge, like the big bridge scene is not there. But a giant gotta drive through a pool of oil while a guy's like trying to, you know, it's like people covered in oil screaming Mm -hmm. and go, it's nuts, man. Highly, highly recommend. Um, It does have the same format where like the first hour you're getting to know everybody and you're like, why do I need to know this? And then the last hour is just the most killer tense stuff and their interpersonal connections are exactly what makes you care so much. Really well done. And I, I think it makes me like Sorcerer even more to understand what they deviated from and what they stuck with and what was added and fleshed out and not. Yeah. Um. But both are, are I, I'd call both movies perfect for what they are. It, it really floored me.
2: Uh, that one is on my list and I will, I'll probably frontline it now that you uh, recommended it.
0: I think also on canopy and criterion, but I think criterion has like the added, like tw- there's like 20 extra minutes.
3: Oh, okay. and you
0: want that because it was cut because like there's like political backdrop,
3: okay, and
0: because of like criticisms about certain government bodies that occur in it that I didn't have the really the historical yeah, context no, no to understand. context for yeah, but that's in the movie and was stripped from the movie for most releases. So mm-hmm. I think that's I would watch the I don't know about the canopy, but I would watch yeah. the criteria because I Cause know, you know it that has too. that yeah, yeah, and where I couldn't speak as to what was added and what was not. I can speak to the fact that it did feel complete, and it did not feel like there was any fat on the movie. Yeah, yeah. So I would imagine that, as a result, I can say it belongs there. Yeah, I, but I'm
2: um, very much looking forward to that. Thank you for you're gonna me on,
0: love dude. it, dude. Yeah. You really are gonna love it. It's and, and it's got the same sort of like weird, like I don't want to say sick, but like it has this this weird, like, kind of snarky sense of humor the same way Sorcerer does, yeah where, like, these guys are kind of all pieces of shit, you know, like, yeah. and that is just what it is. And uh, and so I'm glad that that wasn't just a Friedkin thing, whereas yeah. it feels like such a Friedkin thing. I'm uh-huh. glad that that is part of the text, too, because you can see yeah. how he worked with that. It's very happy I watched it, and because it's two and a half hours, it was a very tough one to press play on. But within minutes, I was, I was just in it. So that'll
2: that'll be a Saturday afternoon watch for me. I'm into
0: it. It's a great Saturday afternoon watch. Yeah. And Irma Vep is like hour 38, I think. So like you can, you can crank that out. Like you can go do that and then come back and finish. Is that
2: a, is that a who's yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's similar to things like clouds of Sils Maria. And I think it was called nonfiction. I think that was his publishing movie where it's like kind of behind the scenes of an artistic project of sorts. Okay. Um, but this is a adaptation of a silent film is what this crazy director's trying to make, and he imports mm-hmm. Maggie Chung from In the Mood for Love, mm-hmm. who plays herself in this, to star mm. in this movie, but like she kind of doesn't know anything about it. He's not very communicative, the whole staff has all of their own beefs, so it's kinda like a a dramatic like noises off as they're trying to produce this movie. But it's just one of those movies you just like you sit down in it and it's so entertaining. And I, I couldn't really say any visual arc of what is going on. It's just kind of a hangout. But it, it it's just excellent. Like real great filmmaking.
3: Have to check and Maggie out.
0: Chung is just she's I think she just bumped to the top of the wife's list. Ooh, <laughs> on
3: the this. island.
0: She's wonderful. In it.
3: Does she
2: gets to like be part of the 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 island somehow where it's like she's so incredible that you're like, you know what? Yeah, we'll we'll bend we'll bend the rules, and uh, she gets to she gets to be on Gay Island.
0: I'm gonna, I will open up my island to her being the queen. Yes. And then the island would also function as her island. Yeah. And so whether we segregate that within the population is irrelevant to me. I say yeah, yeah. free for all.
3: I Because it's slowly like just
0: becoming an orgy island. <laughs> you know, as we all make peace with the fact that these islands just exist. Yes. Uh, it's just gonna be a big old party. I'm yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's true. We, we we can't keep it uh to men only when uh when they're starting to become aware of each other.
0: Yeah, it's right? it's <laughs> just you know
2: as more islands pop up and become aware, that's uh yeah, interesting. All right. I think uh, more and
0: more people in the world are understanding that they all have islands. Yes and that these right. islands are quite diverse. Yes. And uh and uh so I would like to welcome
2: Queen Maggie Chung to the island. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's great. I like that we've made this progress here tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just the island now.
3: Yeah, that's right. You know, it's,
0: it's it's fuck island. <laughs> because we can remove the qualifier of, of any sort of title you need to be here. The yeah. island is, if I want to, to fuck you on my island, welcome. That's yeah. it. We're all in. And if y'all want to fuck each other while you're here, that's cool. Just be safe.
2: It, right and uh people are aware that that's what the island is you know they they yeah. they, co- they come to they choose to come to the island they know what it is they yeah they're, they're,
0: i mean there still will be jobs yeah like i said you have to take a canoe to get there and oscar isaac's got to paddle that canoe
2: uh-huh.
0: he's he's our ferryman i don't well actually i do make the rules you know he's the yeah. ferryman um <laughs> I, I, I definitely like to think that both Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are in the lighthouse, but yeah. neither of them are actually on my island. They have to stay at the lighthouse.
2: Oh, no. Pat- Pattinson has to be able to, to travel to my island.
0: I think if Pattinson can find his way to my island, I'll let him in. Sure. Okay. But, okay. Um, you know, right now he's got a job to do, yeah. and that is to you know be the guiding light for Oscar Isaac's ferryman.
2: Yeah, to be clear, he earned his way to my island on personality.
0: You know? Yeah, that's true. He's he's got quite the personality.
2: <laughs> uh, I will see.
0: Batman's probably going to be the uh, <laughs> that's going to be the deciding factor.
2: Oh, for sure. As soon as I see him in that leather suit, like done deal.
0: Island right now. I have a back.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, oh, let's I lost let's talk. For a second. I know it's all right. We're 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 back in it. We're we're evened out. Let's do Twister. I want to talk about Twister. So
0: yeah, so I, um earlier this week, someone on my local Buy Nothing group put a stack of DVDs outside and said, you know, come on, come on, grab what you want.
3: Yeah.
0: And uh, I grabbed, one of the things I grabbed was Twister. Oh, I also yeah. got a Blu-ray of that Zack Snyder owl movie.
2: Oh, the,
0: yeah. the legends Legend of, of the, the Guardian, the Owls of, Owls Gahool of,
3: Gahool. of the Dead. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's, that's a good movie, I've seen it, I, it's I really it. good. Okay. Honestly, to tell you the truth, like I think it's the one movie that even for fa- people who aren't fans of Zack Snyder, like I am, um, I think it can be agreed that his visual style, if you don't like it in live action, might work better for you in animation.
3: And he,
0: and
2: he's the director of that movie, right? Like he didn't just produce director, that one. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, he is the director, and so like it is very much. You know, it's a kid's movie, it's a family movie, yeah. but it is very much visually a Zack Snyder movie. But it's not Twister. And yeah. Twister is one of the movies that I grabbed. And what's so funny about it is I grabbed it, that movie's on DVD. Yeah. So watching that movie on DVD and like trying to like make it as HD as possible, uh, you know, yeah. using like a modern TV is incredible. And I gotta say, the effects don't hold up to that. Yeah. Yeah. but they do hold up.
2: Yeah. I, okay. Cause I had a similar experience to you, which is like, I hadn't seen this movie since I was a kid. If I ever even saw it, this is one of those movies that like, I feel like I definitely saw. And when I watched it, I was like, yeah, I remember a lot of these scenes, but like it was maybe at like a birthday party and I was maybe only paying attention to half of it or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And yeah. I was, I don't know when I was 13 or something, you know?
0: Yeah. I saw Batman returns a hundred times that way before I ever saw Batman returns. <laughs>
2: right. And uh, so when I finally watched it, which was maybe four years ago now or something, right? When I finally watched it, I was like, Jesus Christ, I love this movie. I can't believe this movie has a reputation of being, like, one of those shitty disaster movies from the 90s. Because it is not a shitty movie, in my opinion.
1: No,
0: not at all. I mean, I I think that it did suffer from some dated elements. I think that it does suffer from the fact... And I, I say suffer... In, in an assumptive way because these yeah. didn't hurt the movie for me. These are actually things that made me more fond of it. Yeah. But like it, it it does suffer from some dated elements. It is like kind of silly, but watching yeah. it with so much removed because last time I saw it was, uh, let's see, I was 12. So that would have been 24 years ago.
1: Right. Fuck.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, so like watching it now with, with the detachment of like, this doesn't have to impress me on actually good levels. Yeah. It's just got to be fun kind of lent lent itself to all of the actually good elements really rising to the top and showing themselves. Yes, I think it's a movie that kind of knows what it's supposed to be historically. But at the outset, it's it's wild. Like Dude, it seemed I, to really know what it was going to represent 24 years later.
2: Well, and there's this weird thing with that period of like big budget, because that's, I'm pretty sure I'm right. that That's a fairly large budgeted movie. That is bill, you know, that is made as, and sold as a blockbuster, at least in my memory. It
0: says on the DVD, from the producers of Jurassic Park and right. the director of Speed. Right. So, like, it's definitely going for that right? for sure. But it's I mean, it's some
2: like budget
3: info while you look at them.
2: But it's a B movie, you know. And I yes. feel like the '90s had a lot of this, which is essentially B movies being made by studios for studio money. As if Mm -hmm. they are blockbusters, you know, and that's if you think about the sort of, I don't know, the whole history of movies and just the concept of a B movie to call Twister a B movie is almost ridiculous because Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's expensive enough to be like, that is not a B movie.
0: It's a uh, and this is 1996. So we got a factor for that. Um, The budget is 92 million
1: yeah that is and not so that's a no small
0: movie, small you know? budget back then that's and it's a, great it turned around 500 million just that's under. incredible that's so 500 awesome. yeah. percent returns roughly
2: but so my point is like that's not a b movie a b movie is a movie that's made for ten dollars you know yeah. what i mean uh but like they basically like in the 90s especially they were making a lot of movies that i think you could rightfully call b movies but they were making them for like 50 million plus you mm-hmm. know and i, I think, think that Oh, ahead. I just think Twister is one of the better examples of that, like actually working, you know? Like, I also think it's one of the first. Yeah. Because, yeah. like without, cause like, you know, there
0: are, there is a history of disaster movies. Yes. There's a history of like weather movies, you know, earthquake and things like that. Um, but I think the one, two punch of the classy disaster movie of Jurassic park, because that yeah. is a disaster movie in terms of the park shuts mm-hmm. down. There's dinosaurs and speed. Um, yeah because speed was a huge like high concept action thriller yeah, yeah that is a pretty i say this with love but the script for speed is shitty as hell <laughs> it's very stupid but it needs to be it's like it's where it's supposed to be
3: yeah i love um, speed yeah
0: yeah I, yeah speed's fantastic and yeah. so like this kind of goes into a mix of that which is why i think they leaned on Produces a Jurassic Park director of
3: Speed, yeah, yeah. is
0: that this is oh unchecked nature. So you got yep. that from your Jurassic Park. And, you know, the uh uh kind of how should I put it? Kind of like a road movie that yeah, yeah. speed is, which is like, no, 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 this starts in real time, ends in real time. And <laughs> so it hits all of those, and so from there we spin off into things like Deep Impact, Armageddon,
1: yeah,
0: uh, the core, uh yeah. the, the, the Rolling Ember- all things. Yeah. And so I feel like this is the one that like really hit the formula of like, we'll grab the classy elements, Jurassic park. We'll grab the trashy elements speed and we'll just fucking go. Yeah. And I, yeah. And they kept a straight up face about it. So I think this kind of
2: kicked off the
0: desire for everybody to, Oh shit.
2: You know, that's the thing. I feel like the tone of this movie is you're right. Is that it's like, it knows exactly what it is. Like it is playing at its own you know, uh, level, which is just like this is a fucking dumb disaster. You know, th- this is like a made-for-TV movie, basically. There was that Devin Sawa one that literally was made for yes. TV,
0: Night uh, of the Twisters.
2: Yeah, which is pretty fun. I remember watching that and enjoying that. <laughs> remember when but they're like, driving down
0: the alley at the end and there's multiple twisters chasing yeah. them and they're like we gotta go. Yeah,
1: Perfect
0: it's like the final destination.
2: I just like I don't know this. It, I just this movie was remarkable to me when I watched it because I was like I don't know how you pull this off at a hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it, well, like it, it really works. It, it's like it's fun. It's funny. I think that I'm with you. The effects really hold up. I think because it's like
0: they're the right mix of
2: practical
0: and. Because I remember when you watched it, you were like, "Dude, you should really v- revisit that." Yeah. The one thing you kept bringing up was when they drive through the house. Yeah. It's such a great. And a real truck smashing through a real fucking house with furniture. It's the yeah. perfect marriage of of those two technologies. It works perfectly.
2: It's great, and like I actually think that uh, the digital tornadoes kind of work, just because like tornadoes are like a big amorphous blob. Like a real tornado is just a big amorphous blob of like air and wind. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so it, it kind I've of. I've never seen one in person. Yeah, I, I just I think it kind of works. I you know like it just, it's sort of. Even though, you, even though you're even though you very aware that it's like, that's a big digital particle effect from 1995 or whatever, it just sort of, I don't know, it just works for me. It's, it it now, evokes the right thing, I think. It's
0: like watching, and this is not the right comparison, because it's the same comparison that I threw to Gods of Egypt, but it's like, it reminds me of like a Clash of the Titans. Yeah, yeah. Where you go like, yeah. I know that that's shitty claymation, but goddamn, it's effective. And it, mm-hmm. it like, it if it looked any better, it wouldn't look as good.
3: Okay, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it really does fit the tone. And I I just love there's like there's there's such a good mix of like giant CGI tornado and then real truck on a rotating table that's getting hoses sprayed on it. While, you know, Bill Paxson and them scream and always leave their radio on so that the entire team can hear all of their marital issues. Uh, Great regular thing. But yeah, it's it doesn't lean on on it doesn't lean on the CGI. Right Like its goal is to put them in a real barn with real tools flying around with real wind,
2: dude. yes, that's I was gonna say cause, like, like but... the money shot is the truck driving through the house. That is like all I could talk about because oh, yeah, the fuck it that scene where they are in that barn and the roof gets torn off, and they're all hanging on by belts onto pipes. yeah, and, like they're like being pulled off the ground. That's all practical shit. That is enhanced by these digital effects of the tornado mm-hmm. that you can see off screen and all that kind of, but like they're doing some crazy like studio, you know, they're in a studio building this big bar. It's awesome. It looks great.
0: It was it's back so- when effects like that were used like, okay, if there's something we can't do in camera, yeah, then we'll do digital. Yeah. And now it's just like, well, digital's cheap. We'll just do that. And if there's right. something we can't do digital, we'll do it in camera as best yes. we can. And it's like, yeah. I, the other way kind of works better because there's yeah. a, there's a pre-production element to it.
1: Yeah.
3: But no,
0: I, I agree. Like, it, the datedness worked for it. Yeah. The crazy score with, like, shredding guitars. Yes. Uh, Fucking what's his name? Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I looked up. He was like twenty-nine years old, and he's just a dude who gets a hardcore bone for tornadoes, and he loves it. Rock and roll, bro. Deep
2: Purple. People love to make fun of this, but it genuinely makes me laugh when they go to—is uh, it Helen Hunt's mom's house or something like that?
3: It's her, and, it's her. aunt.
2: yeah, and he shows up going, "Food, food. I need food. We need <laughs> sustenance." <laughs>
0: him and alan ruck
2: yeah yeah what a great cast by the way it's like a really good cast of just like little character actors stacked yeah
0: um no it's it's got what's his name zach grenier or grenier he's the Uh. one that dies horribly next to carrie elwis for no reason he was seemed to be a good guy Uh, but i wanted to say about philip seymour Hoffman as i was watching that going this is like a dumb character he's playing but like he's doing some really good acting yes like that that character could have also been played by, oh, I don't know, like a Paul Walker type, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, oh well that's who you put in that. Like you could put me in that and I wouldn't I'd i do a passable job, but like that character doesn't fade into the background. He actually right. becomes a character, even though he's just supposed to be like your your post Lee shore guy, you know?
2: Well
3: and you and also
2: He's doing great work. I know, and it's it's like a remarkable thing about him that people have talked about playing before, but it's like I mean, he's totally a side character in this movie. Uh, It's a very small role, but he's so lovable as this. Like, you just want to like him as this character. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That adds so much to the movie. Yeah, it really does. And and you feel that all of the other characters in the movie feel that way about him, too. You know what I mean? Yes. It's not just you. It's that the world of the movie responds to him that way, too. You know?
0: Cause he's, he's
2: pretty inappropriate
0: and he does some things that like anybody would be like, dude, get like, stop touching me. You know, like he's, (laughs) he's like on that kind of thing. But at the, but at the, he's a character that should just be comic relief and he makes him comic. He's is the comic relief, but he also is such a full character that even those little things that you go, ew about him or you go, well, yeah, he's crazy. Chases storms. (laughs) And I don't think a lot of actors would necessarily clear that hurdle. And he does yeah, it yeah. kind of effortlessly, but I, I think you are right in saying this is like kind of a team thing. Like everyone supports yeah. each other really nicely. Yeah, I love that they're all just like happy storm chasers that just fucking love it.
2: Am I do I am I remembering correctly that Carrie Ellis's character is like a competing storm chaser that has like more money for equipment? Yeah, he's and what's weird is like he's kind of a he's kind of a dick,
0: but like his violent end. Almost felt like like when the lady gets ripped to shreds in Jurassic World, where you're yeah. like, "What did she do to deserve Which honestly, I love because that's yes, the yeah. fun of it. Is you go, Jesus, that's too much. I kind of felt that way because he wasn't that bad of a right. villain. The thing was, they had their Dorothy, which was the
1: right.
3: the
0: new technology that was going to release the little zippies into the tornado,
3: right, right.
0: and he had his own version of it, and it is it is suggested that he stole the idea from. The Paxton Hunt team. And because he's backed by a network, he has the ability to kind of just take credit for it. So they don't like him. But what I love is what gets him killed at the end is that because even they radio him. They're like, listen, it's definitely going to turn towards you. You got to stop. And he's just like, turn off the radio. They don't know what they're talking about. And it's funny because it's his hubris and his denial of the science of it. That gets him sucked up into a tornado violently (laughs) Um, after his driver is impaled by the top of like a like a metal pole kind of thing. Right. It's it's gruesome. I loved it. Yeah. His crime was hubris and denying the conventional wisdom because he knows better, which is also the greatest asset of Bill Paxton's character. Right. Is that he denies this. Like, people are like, well, I don't know. I think it's going to turn left. And he's like, no, no, no. I got a feeling.
3: Yes, and then he yes. just
0: follows his ego and hubris. Yes. And when he does it, it's OK. But yep. when Carrie Elvis does it, it's it's not OK because he has a little more money. Yes, <laughs> it's like it's, it's very it's like it's not enough. But I also love that. I think that is sort of intentional.
2: Well, and that's that's definitely I think like a in some ways like a classic American story, right? Is that the more blue-collar guy is the heroic guy. Mm. Right? Like that like he we 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 want we want to root for he's the underdog basically like we treat i think in america blue collar he's putting
3: in the hours he's earning yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah
3: yeah.
2: and and honestly and i gen i generally tend
0: to follow that trend in in the biases that i hold so like knowing that carrie always is just the bad guy and like they give him that great moment where he's like no turn off the radio and he gets his his nice guy partner killed um so he does have like a villainous turn and he did steal their technology and all of that. Yeah. But he's also like, I would say his collective screen time in that movie, if I'm being generous, I would say that Carrie always has four minutes total in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It is. He's not in it enough. And so it's great. So he just explodes and everyone's just like, well, that's what happens when you drive close to an F (laughs) five, which if you even say F five, everyone drops their, their food and utensils. and is like, did you just say F five? What's an F (laughs) five? (laughs) Oh well. F <laughs> five's got dark eyes. It's got the doll's know. eyes. No, they just had like that kind of yes. reverence for uh, for an F five tornado. Like we've heard of it, but we've never seen it. Because yeah. those who see it don't live
2: to tell. <laughs> uh huh. I seem to remember being like a ten year old and knowing like storm categories. Yeah. you know. And I'm. Sh- it was I'm- an eight point six on the Richter scale. But, like, I'm certain it was because of movies like this,
3: you yep. know, and oh, the fact 100%.
2: that they make you know twenty percent of their dialogue about the power of the you know natural event or whatever
3: mm-hmm.
0: it, this is actually kind of wild, too. I was thinking about this is nowadays, if you did a weather movie like this, there would be like some sort of at least reference, if not direct engagement with the idea of like the source of these storms is climate change or things like right. that. yeah, and like it just kind of goes to show how far we've come in like largely regarding climate change as a concern mm-hmm. is because back then they were just like, these tornadoes are all gathering and it's like, cool run. Like, yeah, they, yeah, didn't, yeah. they didn't go any further than that, which was nice and refreshing, but it just was a, a cool meter of progress that I yeah noticed. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, dude, I really like this movie. I was so glad that you liked it as much as, as I seem to remember liking it.
0: The, I never would have thought to watch it. It's just that I stumbled across it
2: and soon as I was like night tonight, like it just bit. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's great. I really like this movie. I also think that Jan de Bont is kind of an underrated uh, you know uh, action director. Both this and Speed oh, yeah. are really fucking well-directed movies. Um, Jan
0: de Bomb was the, I think, DP on that movie Roar.
3: Yeah, okay, yep.
0: Um, the movie that I believe he left the set because he was scalped by a lion and <laughs> uh, came back like a week later after it already got attached and finished <laughs> the movie. It's something like that. It's like, yeah, so he's pretty hardcore.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh I th- I think these are both like very well directed, good looking movies. This and Speed. Yeah.
0: Um, no, I would and, agree. Uh, I think yeah. they're really good looking and they it's very cleverly staged action.
1: Yes. Um
0: if you're looking for the seams, you can find them, but it's not because of carelessness, it's because he doesn't hide them with trickery. Right. He hides them with like really good direction. Like yeah. my my eyes go to where the seams aren't, um yeah. because it's so smartly directed. And also it seems gimmicky now, but Huge kudos to the tornado ripping apart the drive-in with The Shining playing. Yep, and Love it's it. ripping apart the screen as Jack yep. Nicholson is doing that famous whip shot. Yep,
3: mm.
1: great. That,
0: that was that's and like that's a moment where you watch that and you go, they knew exactly the tone of this movie. Yes. We just weren't ready for it yet. You know, yeah, it's yeah.
2: I mean, he was ma- he was literally making a drive-in B movie picture. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yep. and, and so much so that he feels the need to put that on the screen in the movie. You know what I mean? Like that. that mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I, I just I don't remember that movie being talked about in that way or reflected on in that. You know, it was sold as a blockbuster. I think it was sort of
0: it was it was taken seriously. Yeah, and I regarded, think it was mostly well
2: liked. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's just interesting revisiting it now as an adult, and being like, this is straight up like a goofy B movie. That knows it's a goofy B, like that's what it's trying to be.
0: It's true. All right. It's, I missed. I missed much of that. That.
2: That's right. Uh, it just it's it it knows it's a B movie. Like it knows it's a goofy yes. B movie. That's what it's trying to be. And it's just weird that like I don't I don't know. I mean maybe adults knew that at the time, and I was twelve and just didn't know how to regard movies that way. But I don't remember this movie being talked about that way. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It was. I think it was taken seriously. Now, this is, this also, too, uh, this could be inaccurate just because of time passing and, like, this predates Rotten Tomatoes, but it looks like Twister is
3: just
0: rotten on Rotten Tomatoes at 59%. See, that's what I mean.
2: I feel like it's got, like, a kind of middling to negative, like, reputation these days. and uh, It's so wild. I think it's much better than its reputation, for sure.
0: I bet if they did a re-release of it and, you know, like, a re-release, like, new reviews filter into Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. I think if that happened, it would turn favorable because I do think this ages well and it is fun. And I don't know, it's just weird watching a movie where it's like, wow, a couple of these people in this cast are dead, and all uh-huh. of these people are younger than me now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. the wildest thing. It's Not just, Bill you, Paxton; I think he was like forty-one.
2: Yeah, you could you could put this next to like you could do a double bill with like a Joe Dante movie with this, and everybody would get it. Like everybody would be like, oh yeah, that's what this is.
0: You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man, actually do this with Matinee. It would be
2: awesome. Oh, I've never seen Matinee actually. I, I, I've been that's on my cool. watch list right now. Yeah,
0: it's been a while since I've seen it, but that was another one that I remember when it came out. Uh, people thought it was a different thing than it is, and um, I didn't see it then, but I saw it like when I was getting into movies when I was like fourteen or fifteen. So it's been quite some time, but I remember watching it and being like, "This is fun. Like this, is a, yeah. this is a movie," you know. I guess um, I'd like to watch that again. That one might be worth an episode, actually.
2: All right, I'm into that. I I might be floating around right now. I put it on my watch list recently. I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah, uh, I feel
0: hey, like I did too. Let's uh,
2: let's let's get to it. Let's let's get to the the, the scenario. scenario. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which, if we're gonna talk about ages of people, would you like to guess how old Franco Nero was uh, in <sighs> this movie? Uh, look at his baby blue eyes and his tobacco hardened face, and tell me his age.
2: Uh, I don't know. Is he like? Is he? 30 in this movie how old is he in this movie he's oh no i lost you for the answer he's seven years old i lost you for the answer oh, say it again
0: 27 oh okay okay 27
2: that's actually crazy yeah.
0: that's crazy because i looked it up because i was like i know he was in django and and, yep. uh, and django unchained as an old man i was like so he's still alive but if this was 1968 and he's like clearly in his 40s here <laughs> what, how old is he and then i looked it up and he was born in 41 i'm like oh he's just a little older than my parents <laughs> like, yeah. is... so he was just a baby yeah he's he's dude, uh just under a decade younger than me here
2: i am not kidding this is one of those movies where i was like oh okay i'm really starting to narrow in on my type of man now because that is the sexiest motherfucker i have ever seen in my entire life yeah dude when that he... man
0: smolders
2: when he is standing on the roof at the end, wielding a Gatling gun with his bare hands, that was so I, was like, I was like, I, I have never been so turned on by a man before. Like, this is incredible. He is so <laughs> goddamn sexy in this movie. It's crazy to me. Yeah,
0: dude. <coughs> he is the human equivalent of like, when you, when you poke a lit cigarette through a piece of paper and it starts to burn. That yes. moment where the paper catches, that's yeah. Franco Nero. Well, it's, man, like, it's
2: he's good. It's weirdly disappointing to me to find out that like between this and uh uh what's his name's character in Copland um uh from uh, Terminator 2, I can't think of his name. Uh you know, the T1000 uh oh. <laughs> in that movie he's got the little mustache on yeah, Robert Patrick, like, yeah. Yeah, Robert Patrick between like him and uh Franco Nero in this movie it's like, "Oh, great. So my type of man is like these dirty blondes that don't shave and like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Look and like honestly, they've smoked too many cigarettes
0: And based on the two of them in those movies Are going to yeah. treat you like a piece of shit Yeah exactly so,
2: uh, yeah. Yeah. I apparently have a very disappointing taste in men it turns out Well you know yeah.
0: That seems to just be a thing anyway
2: yeah. But
0: um, you know how it goes
2: uh, the, That's uh, crazy yeah, though this... You're right it's crazy that he's 27 in this He really does 27. look like a, 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 You know, a middle aged man In this movie
0: Watching him though it became very clear And you know obviously there is a connection between the mercenary and everything that Tarantino, every thought Tarantino has had uh, his entire life. But I was watching it and it, I was I was like, Oh, it makes sense that Tarantino would ultimately work with Kurt Russell yes. because he has a very similar, uh, he's a little thing. more gruff than Kurt Russell, but he has a very similar uh, uh, just way about him as Kurt Russell does in that. Uh, one of the cool things about Franco Nero in this movie is is made, he's like a, cool as a cucumber badass who yep. has also made to look ridiculous multiple times.
3: Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, and, and wears it? Well, actually plays in when he's in that, in the restraints with his nose all mashed, yes. he really plays that up for a couple gigs. Yep. And it's, uh, and that's when it clicked. I was like, Oh, he's very Kurt Russell. Is that yeah. sort of just same charm.
2: The, the, the similar thing that people love to point about, point out about like Harrison Ford, which is that like, yes. you know, he can he can be very cool, but also can take a punch, and and you enjoy watching him take that punch. You know, like mm-hmm. he can play that for a little laugh.
0: Him yeah. and Chris Pine, they can take punches for the uh-huh. movies. They're like, They're right. you, you want to take a punch for the pictures? <laughs> this kid takes a takes a punch for the pictures. Pine.
2: Yeah, but uh, okay, so the Mercenary. Uh, this is directed by Sergio Corbucci, who nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, sixty eight, and he's the director of. Uh, you just mentioned it, Django. Uh, yes. which is like a couple years before this. Uh, oh, also, I was talking
0: about um, Franco Nero shows up in Django Unchained.
2: He does, and that's a reference so that's, to him That's playing,
0: why his but, age freaked
3: me out, yeah.
2: Yeah, well, but that's a reference to him playing the title character Django yes. in the movie Django, which is also directed by Corbucci. So, like, mm-hmm. this is Corbucci working with him again. And I actually I ended up watching Django, um, the the sixty eight, the 66 one. Uh, How is was like, it? I've not seen that one. A week after I watched this, really good. I mean it's nice. like it, it's also super Tarantino-y, you know? Like mm. it's it literally it's a guy that drags a coffin with him everywhere. It's it's another cowboy character that has a coffin that he drags with him everywhere. Uh, and the I've reveal, seen that image, yeah. Yeah, and the reveal on what's in the coffin, I will I, I'll leave that to you to discover is very fun, very Tarantino. It's oh, uh, I'm the know, hunt and, is down. I'm definitely yeah, gonna watch it. It's pretty fun. It's I think that this is better though. Like The Mercenary is a a uh, much fuller experience as a movie than uh, than Django is, I think. But but Django is like, yes. a you know, a great style piece that is definitely worth watching. I'm
0: definitely going to watch it just on the strength of the direction of the mercenary.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And also for a more contemporary reference for our listeners, Sergio Corbucci is also who Rick fucking Dalton went to Italy to work with for six months in the alt-Hollywood of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
2: I thought that was right. I thought I knew yeah. that he actually brought him up by name in that movie.
0: Sergio Corbucci, and in a, that's revealed in a sequence narrated by Kurt Russell.
2: Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yep.
0: It all comes together. We're going to find out at the end of time that Tarantino had tenant technology, but yeah. only in regards to movies. Yeah. And so he actually just made everything.
3: Uh, we just
0: happened but, to catch him on the point where the self referential started to come in.
2: Right. Right. Uh, okay. So here, the thing that I really liked about this movie, and this will serve as a way to just sort of describe the plot really quick is that, like, for a little while I didn't really know what I was watching. And yes. then, like, maybe about, like, a half hour and it clicked, like, kind of what we were doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, like, it starts with um, you're watching... Literally the opening shot is of, like, of a rodeo clown, <laughs> you know? You, so you open on this, like, rodeo clown and you see Franco Nero watching the rodeo and he starts a voiceover where he says, like, I'm gonna tell you the story of this rodeo clown. The revolutionary. And, and then, then he
0: lights his match on someone else.
2: Yep. Which he does <laughs> many times throughout the movie. He lights his match on bullets. Boobs. Bodies. Everything.
0: Uh, one guy's bottom teeth. He yep. swipes across his bottom teeth. And the guy just gives him like a. What the,
2: you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible every time. Uh, and then yeah. The movie is basically him recounting. The story of him meeting this guy. Paco. Uh, played by
0: Chris Stenta of the Philadelphia comedy well, scene.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things is like this is uh you know what they refer to as a spaghetti western. It's a western that was made in Italy, and so uh, Tony Musante is the actor who plays um, uh, Paco. And Tony Musante is you know he's an Italian actor, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, yeah, you, you have to with with these movies, you have to get a little bit used to watching uh, a bunch of white people play both Mexicans, Americans. There's even a weird thing here where Franco Nero is, I guess, playing a Polish guy. Uh, yes and uh they on the
0: dvd i noticed this because uh in the the plot description on the back yes yeah. his name is something like like kowalski or something it's like it's kowalski that. yeah um, it's kowalski okay yep. and um oh yeah, yeah it is yeah i remember you saying that the yep. mercenary yeah <laughs> kowalski it's kowalski but uh in the movie they do refer to him as the polack that's like mm-hmm. his nickname and on the uh, Blu-ray. The description on the back. His nickname is changed to the Polish.
2: The Polish, yeah, which is just and the so more I, I appropriate think, way to say it, I guess. Yeah, so. that's. A,
0: so I think it's. A, I, I just found that interesting because I was like, yeah, I guess that is like a little slurry.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, I I don't think that uh, that's one of those things where it's like I don't think Corbucci is unaware of that. Like I think that's baked into the plot of this movie. That
0: oh, absolutely. This is another a- movie where everyone's a bad guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He refers to himself that way sometimes. Mostly it's because everybody else is dismissively referring to him that way. You know, it's like it's that whole thing. But I, I, I so I also am curious. I don't know what I the reason I brought all that up is to basically be like, is he doing an accent or is Franco Nero just speaking English with his Italian accent? It sounds crazy to me, like because he sounds wild. I have no clue.
3: Like I, don't I, I know- couldn't
2: tell you. It's like, is is this an Italian man trying to do a Polish accent? And to my American ears, that just sounds insane. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: it, it, see, it's one of those things where there's too many variables to tell. Because as yeah. these movies are made, yep. back in, in, in the spaghetti Western days, it was speak whatever language you speak, and we'll just dub it to whatever language we're yep. exhibiting it in. Yep. So some people, it's their voice track. Some people, it's a dub. And so it's like, and he's clearly performance choice. Is this a, you know, a performance choice on behalf of the voice actor is yep. it, like too many variables. So I could not even begin.
1: Yeah. But
0: if you said, do an impression of him, I'd be like, I, I don't even have a reference point unless I'm yeah. just going to copy a line because he it's,
2: says his, it's
0: so crazy.
2: He says his name is Sater but Santa it's like, I don't, I don't know what that, I don't know what that accent, is. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. uh, what does he say at the end? He says like, uh, keep dreaming Paco but with your eyes open. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, "I I I I" and yeah, you're like, Why like don't know? No, he doesn't do that. I just but. like it sounds crazy to me. And also like he is clearly dubbed, but I think it's Nero dubbing himself. I think so too. You know.
0: I um, think for the most part that's how they did it. Yeah. If the person had enough English. Yeah. Because as 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 it is with selfish America, is the world has to learn English so that right. we don't have to learn right. our languages. So I think yeah. there's probably a higher likelihood that some of these people did know, you know, yeah. more English.
2: Yeah, but like, I I mean, I don't know, but like Tony Musante seems like it's just using the actual like recorded track there. Like I, Tony Musante didn't sound dubbed to me necessarily, you know, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's just it's interesting. Um, it's it but, goes scene by scene. It's
0: like watching like Rumble in the Bronx, where it's like just depends on where it was shot and who was around, right,
1: right, you know, yeah, as yeah, to yeah. whether.
0: And so and it's just then sit down and have actors read the script in. English, have him read it and whatever, and just yeah. lay that over wherever it is. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I agree I mean, that I didn't ahead. know what I was getting into and it actually wasn't until the end when he snapped out of this movie-long reverie yes. that I even it even connected that there was a flashback happening.
2: Yes, yeah. See, I so I watched it a second time this week uh, since we were going to record about it, because I had watched it two or three weeks ago now, for the first time, and, and loved it and recommended it to our, our group chat, which is how we both ended up here uh, watching it for this, but um, so I rewatched it and I couldn't remember if I didn't remember that or not. I don't know. If that yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. Uh, Cause watching it a second time, I was like, "Oh right, He's like, he's recounting this whole story, but you do, I guess you do kind of lose track of that as the movie goes. I, th- I think you're right. I'm remembering now that I did. I kind mean, of lose most track of, of the,
0: the movie the, happens yeah, in that flashback. In flashback Cause right. once he yeah. comes back to the present, we have the, the curly Paco showdown. It's
3: just for the showdown. Yeah.
2: Showdown.
0: And then the trip to the jail. Yeah. Um, the you know almost hanging thing in the end yep. and like that might be 25 minutes right
2: it's just like a finale the movie's so a the solid like field. two
0: hours so yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah most of the movie is that flashback and it's, um, but and I, it's, I didn't know it was I like i i thought at the beginning i was like oh, okay he's gonna be transporting this silver
1: right. and
0: curly's gonna be on his tail that's what this is yep. and i did not expect the mexican revolution and i did not right. expect but as soon as it clicked that we were just watching like Oh this guy's a mercenary. He's just going to yes. take a job. Yes. And, and once that clicked uh, it it all came together and I was able to really but I kind of liked that. I liked Me too. figuring that out while I was watching it. I think that was a really integral part of what I enjoyed about it.
2: I agree. I I like that first half hour of being like what am I getting into? And also mm-hmm. like never having seen Franco Nero as a young man. I've only seen him in things like Django Unchained. He has a small role in um uh John Wick 2. Yes. Um, like you know, it's like Having only seen him as an older man, like, you know, he was just like a huge discovery for me. Like the moment he came on screen here, I was like, whoa, this guy's like electric, you know? So anyway, it's like I'm watching. I'm sort of following along. And yeah, it's like the flashback is sort of like basically we started this small story of like a mine in Mexico uh, where the miners decide like, hey, like we're being treated like shit. We're going to like overthrow the guys that run this mine. And so it starts in this like small, you know, it's like a, you know, uh, a small action scene of these guys kind of like taking back over their mind. And then that becomes basically a never ending montage. Like this movie is kind of an extended montage, which I I, I sort of liked where we literally go through the history of the Mexican Revolution (laughs) as enacted by Paco and his band. And through that revolution is the developing relationship of Paco and this mercenary, uh, Sergei Kowalski, the Polak. Uh, and, and like he basically, it, it's like they're building friendship, where like Paco realizes he can't perform this revolution without a sort of experienced hand. We'll say, yeah, you know, uh, he's like
0: his guide. He's a uh, yeah, he's he's a, uh, and it's interesting too because like Paco wants to be seen as the leader, yes. but he almost signs himself up for an apprenticeship.
2: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And, and and Kowalski is very much like a lone wolf gun for hire who is not in it for Paco's revolution. He is only in it for the money that Paco's going to give him as the result of that revolution. Um, but is also like it's that weird, you know, this is one of those movies where everybody's walking in this kind of gray moral ground mm-hmm. where, you know, he is to some extent a, a, a I guess you would say he has a a moral character of his own. Uh, sergey i mean uh Kowalski. Yeah. And, and so it maybe is not a, a a particularly moral character but has his own moral compass that i think paco recognizes and goes like well if i can direct that compass at my revolution like he will act a court like he will act in a way that is of our benefit like to our benefit you know
0: i think his the reason why he could be considered and i wouldn't say he's a hero but he's like the protagonist of the right. you know like an, in an anti hero form is that what makes the mercenary compelling is that his his morality isn't really a thing. Right. The what he adheres to is if you pay me to do a job, I'm going to do that job. Right, if right. If you do not pay me to do that I'm going to do that. And hundred percent right. of the time you know what you're getting from him. Like he's not going to betray you, um, as long as you pay. But if you don't pay, then you know, I have no I have no beef with what you're doing, I have no interest in what you're doing.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Pay me. And so like, that's a really valuable thing to have where it's just, he's, he's reliable.
3: Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing.
0: He's like, that's a commendable thing.
2: It's very, just, it
0: can be used by other parties.
2: Yes. And that's, he's like, he's very skilled and very talented and Paco realizes that those things would be useful to his revolution. But also, as you suggested, like, I think sees that he can learn those things from uh, mm-hmm. the Polish and, and then, perhaps bring them to his own persona as the leader of the revolution, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But obviously as we find out, as it goes on, Paco may not be of pure revolutionary heart either necessarily. Right. It's like, yeah, both of these guys are kind of playing into and against each other's uh, better judgment and, and whatever moral character they may have. It's just a really interesting kind of central relationship that becomes like pretty immediately enjoyable to watch, like unfold over the course of the movie. Um I think there's there's
0: a wiliness too on the part of Kowalski
1: yeah. in
0: that he watches Paco and he's like, I think this guy does care about the revolution. Right. But he also is like, this guy also is on an ego trip all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, and, and it's kind of a silent like we, we just understand that he's just smarter about these things than Paco is. Right, right. But hey, Paco pays him. He'll do it for Paco's.
2: But I also. Did I lose you?
0: uh, you're oh, here. here.
2: but i do I do think you're you're right that, um to some extent, Paco does kind of raise his curiosity a little bit, right? Like, yeah. pa- there's something about Paco that he is there because he's being paid, but he's also pretty interested in where this is all going. You know, he he has like a vested interest in Paco. and and i I couldn't even explain exactly why, but it does have something to do with Paco's character. There's something about Paco as a man that seems to interest uh, Kowalski. And I, I can't quite put my finger on explaining what I mean by that. But I do think that that's there in the text of the movie.
0: I think I can take a guess as to what fascinates him about Paco um, that fascinates me about Paco is that you, know, you, you because I believe that Paco does care about what the actual revolution means to him. as well as he cares about his ego it's like it's the same thing that that um this is gonna be a crazy reference i watched a documentary about steve jobs back in the day and they do an interview with this one talking head guy who he worked on the apple team and essentially his devotion to the apple team destroyed his whole life but the one thing he says at the end of the interview and he was like and i look back at steven steve jobs and the guy's like got tears in his eyes and i go And I look at Apple and I go, only Steven could have done this. Right. For all his faults, someone who wasn't this guy who destroyed me couldn't have also created this wonderful thing. And so I think there's a little bit of that in Paco where it's like, I just see it's like, yeah, this guy is an egotist and he's a little bit off kilter, but that's what's going to
3: make
0: him go done. That's that's what's going to that's what's going to give him the edge to potentially go through it. If only he could not get himself killed in the process, which is where the mercenary then comes in.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think
0: he sees him as like he he's the guy who has the like we always say, like, you know, we look at, at, at politicians and go, Jesus, you know, this guy's crazy. And it's like, yeah, well you kind of got to be crazy to pursue the office of president,
3: uh-huh.
0: you know, like to, to have that much yep. ego to be like, I can do that. Yep. It takes a little bit of kind of inhuman crazy. And so like yeah, yeah. to lead a revolution, you know, like we, we all look at, at, at famous revolutionaries and not a single one of them wasn't a complicated, uh, extremely problematic character in right, some respect. Right. Yeah. So that's what fascinates me about that's Paco. And yeah. I think that the mercenary sees that in him a little bit. And so I think that is why he is at some point seems to, to be in, invested in actually teaching him his ways yeah you no know, when he when he has him uh, ridiculously fall into the pig slop yes. or little things like that like he makes sure that some wisdom is imparted yep. uh, even though that's not what he's being paid for but it's always silent it's always passive yep. uh, and I, but i think it's rooted in that belief that paco has the spark if not the intellect
2: yeah, well, and I mean, eventually we, you know, and so the the movie is, as as you suggested, and as we've been talking about here, these the sort of rambling adventures of the mercenary and Paco as they kind of, you know, enact the, the Mexican Revolution across Mexico, you know, basically liberating various like Mexican cities and towns from their uh, their overlords and their their keepers that are, uh, you know, keeping people, uh, I don't know, underserved, but they they like. When you get to the end of the movie, as you know, we cut back to eventually after literally like ninety minutes, we cut back to the uh, the circus. Is that what it? What are they even called? It's a it's like
0: a. I mean, it's just it's a bullfight that's happening.
2: Yeah, yeah, Uh, right. He's like he's a um, he's a rodeo clown. Rodeo
0: clown. um, That's rodeo. You know, it's not a rodeo; it's a bullfight. So whatever that would be called.
3: Yeah. I Uh, just
0: want to say luchador, but that's not what that is. That's (laughs) a wrestler.
3: Right.
2: (laughs) We go. We go back there. Oh. We got to say okay and so there's this guy Curly played yes. by Jack Palance who is kind of the like if this movie has a big bad that's who Jack Palance is in the movie. Yeah. He's representative of sort of I don't know I guess like the governmental powers that be right like he's like associated Well he's
0: introduced where he cheats in a poker game not right. even cheating he just flexes cuz he uh the one guy has four jacks
3: Yeah, and he right. was like and
0: I have two queens and then he points to the hookers that he has with him and he was like and two more here and they're like come on that's not valid and he was like and uh this gun just in case right it's like oh you're you're not even playing cards you're just robbing people yes yeah um so yeah he's like the super rich guy and he's he's the one that's expressly american so he's like the big capitalist but he doesn't even seem to have faith in capitalism because his interest is completely theft right dressed up as capitalism
2: yeah, and he's, like... Sound familiar, friends? Yes, and he's, like, closely associated with, like, the Mexican state. Like, he seems yes. to always be, like, on the side of the Mexican military as they are trying to, you know, basically put Paco's revolution down. Yeah. Uh, somehow Curly is always intertwined with, with them. Uh, although he seems to maybe be getting hired by the Mexican military the same way the mercenaries being hired by Paco. Something like that. Mm. It's not entirely clear. Um,
0: I think but, he might be a uh, like like a financier,
2: right? Right, in some yeah. sort
0: of way, yeah. Right, but I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah. Like like he's like financing part of the military in exchange for like protection of the military. I I don't know. I'd have to see it again. That would be you're, my guess. But he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has vibes of like the shit that our protagonists don't like right. is the stuff that he's he's you know making.
2: Yeah, and actually, now that we're talking about this, you're making me realize this is definitely one of the things that kind of bonds uh, Paco and Sergey together is that they have this sort of, like, common enemy in uh, Curly, right? Like, they they both run a If we a were foul to say the
0: mercenary guys. has, like, a, a moral code of sorts, I would say that Curly violates it in that right. they are sort of both capitalist in that uh, mercenary is purely like, if you yep. pay me, I will do it. If you don't, yep. I will not. Right. Whereas that's what... Uh, curly says but curly's just like no no no, but you will always pay me right or i will kill you right and so that offends the economic senses if you will of uh, of the mercenary where it's like he doesn't do what you pay him for and he'll make you pay him for not doing it so that doesn't that doesn't fly by me
2: I love the terms you're putting this in because this all builds into what I think is interesting about the end of the movie. But oh, so right on, yeah, this is great. I love the terms you're putting this in. And so Curly is this great character, which, by the way, I until seeing this movie did not even realize yep. that Jack Palance's <laughs> entire existence in the, the movie City Slickers is based on his presence in this movie. He's literally called Curly in those movies. The Legends of Curly's Gold. Yeah. He's in the Title of the second one.
0: Like is he Jack reprising Palance, who, his character? Who famously, uh, potentially gave the wrong Oscar away? Right, right, right. yes. Who potentially awarded Marissa? To, uh, although that has been debunked. She did. She right. did definitely win and deservedly so. If I were to be asked.
3: Right, right.
0: Yes. Um, but yeah, that was yeah. Jack Palance. He's curly and he's the guy who flubbed the Oscars. And and until so. Warbane.
2: I mean, do we? Is he? I mean, I know. Uh, we don't have a real answer, for this, but is he reprising the character of Curly in the movie city slickers or is he just playing another man named Curly?
0: Does he die at the end of mercenary? Now I'm forgetting what his fate was.
2: I can't remember. Oh yeah, for sure. He does. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause the showdown for yeah. sure. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes,
2: yes. So no, he can't, but be.
0: um, he can't be, but I mean, we, you know, yeah. I've read enough yeah. comic books to know that he can be.
2: Yeah, and for sure though that that is what City Slickers is do. Like it must be referencing this movie very specifically by casting him as a character named Curly, right? I would
0: love to watch City Slickers again to see Me if too. maybe now that I have a little bit more of of Western ephemera in my head, yes. that I could watch that and be like, oh, there's actually some smart references here. Because if I remember correctly, City Slickers, I, I loved that movie when I was a kid. I thought Me it was so too. funny.
2: Yeah, me too. I yes, I, that is. I uh, we've talked about this on the show many times before. I always think of Daniel Stern's delivery of "If hate were people, I'd be China," <laughs> describing how much he hates his uh, wife. Man,
0: he is Daniel Stern. He's a treasure.
2: Yeah, uh, amazing. That
0: guy's a treasure.
2: Uh, but oh, yeah, that's I, so funny. Yeah, that just I, I couldn't believe it as I was watching this movie. I was like. You got to be fucking kidding me. There's a whole movie named after this Jack Palance character. You know what I mean? Legend of
0: Curly's Gold. Jack uh,
2: Palance <laughs> with, is that his hair right. or not? I mean, did I don't he know what's get a perm for this movie, you know? Like,
0: like a Jerry, like I know this predates Jerry Curl, but it right. looks like he's like Jerry Curl and he's got this dark black hair because I only know Jack Palance as a very, very, very old man yeah. times 10. Right, and in this, he's probably I guess in his 40s or 50s here. Um, if he died, probably like 2000 in his late 80s. That I guess the math checks out. I don't know.
1: But no, he's I'm with a young you. he's... guy
0: here, but he's certainly yeah. not old. But it certainly could be feasible that his hair would not have grayed out yet. But he's got a black mop oh, on yeah. his head, and it is
2: wild. I, you know, he actually uh, just something about his physique and and uh, like jaw and all that kind of stuff. Like he re- like he looked to me like. Oh, if I were going to make Superman in 1968, I, I would cast Jack Palance. Yeah. Like he, he's got like the broad kind of shoulders and the jawline and the black hair with the curl, yep. you know,
0: when they, when they stripped him down, uh, yeah. when they robbed him and just like stripped him down, which immediately yeah. made me think of damsel.
3: Oh, yes. Yes. Remember
0: yep. Robert Forrester at the beginning and they trade, yep. he trades to be a priest. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but when he took off his shirt, I was like, damn, dude, Jack Pounce is built. He was, was kind of jacked. And I, I was know. not expecting that because but I think that's more my bias than anything, because right. I just only see him as old. Yeah, you know, right, I right. can't see him as young.
3: Yeah.
2: So I I want to talk about the end of this movie. That was why I wanted to, like, get to to Pallance and make sure we talked about him a little bit. Yeah, because the end cuts back to that rodeo and, you know, it basically becomes a uh, a. It's not quite a Mexican standoff, I guess, but it's almost presented like one, right? You've got the three men that are your central figures, uh, one at each end of this, like, uh, arena. But what it becomes is actually a showdown where Kowalski offers basically each of these men one last opportunity to have it out with each other in a duel.
3: Uh,
0: It's like a Mexican standoff, but one where one party only has the interest of of enjoying the story.
3: Exactly, because
0: They neither of them have any beef with him, really. Right. Um, I, I would say that Curly might have small beef with him, but it's right, right. certainly secondary I, to the beef he has with Paco.
3: Especially and by that so point, so he's the story, really just right? like,
0: yeah. "You two have beef. You obviously need a facilitator." And wouldn't you know it? I am currently open to facilitate. Yeah. Like he kind of has that angle about it, and it's yeah. man, that is one of, if not my favorite like final, you know, dual showdowns as it were of, of, of a Western that I've seen. It's certainly amongst the best
2: dude. I'm with you. I mean, so you've got the, uh, it's an Ennio Morricone score, right? Uh, Yes. So you've got this like great Morricone score, which Tarantino fans should be familiar with. I think you're right that the whistling part is also kill bill. Uh, and and that whistling part, it, I love the way this is done. It, like it, it, I don't know how to explain this, but it builds over the course of the movie. The first couple times you hear it, it's just one or two cycles yeah. of the whistling. The second and third time you hear it, you get a, it builds into this like orchestral thing. And then by the time you get to the end of the movie, you get the whole piece, which starts as the whistling, which is them kind of lining up to showdown, and then builds into the orchestral stuff as he starts ringing the bell, which is what needs to happen three times. And yes, and, that's and, and, the and best. When you get to the third strike, you get the full-on... Like, now we are in the theme of the movie, you know, and it's like, and he builds that musical piece over the course of the whole movie to get you there to where when he fucking finally gets into the, like, really fulfilling hook of that musical piece. It's as the showdown is going down, you know, it's like, it's great.
0: It's sorry, you cut up a little bit at the it's end. I was just enthusing
2: uh... about the, how the music is so well orchestrated with the the duel. That um that famous uh,
0: I think it's, it's from the Good the Bad the Ugly but it's like became uh, like a GIF meme now where they show everybody's eyes and they look back and forth yeah and then they look back and forth uh, a lot of westerns really milk that of the just this guy's eyes this you know face yeah. to face to fa- face to face uh, yeah. face to face, face and it just keeps milking that and what I love is that you're sitting there going like why like, I thought this is one two three go. And even though I've not seen a western that 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 didn't earn
3: yeah, that right.
0: big drug, because I oh it's delicious every time they do it, where you're just waiting for that one. This is the first one where functionally they would wait, and yeah. it would speak to the mercenary wanting to just have some fun with this
1: yeah. because
0: he gives them the rules of like you take your ten paces and then uh, I'm doing whatever accent comes out of my yeah, mouth because yeah, yeah. I'm never going to get there. And he's yeah. like, and on the third on the third ring you turn and fire.
3: Yeah, yeah. and
0: it's ring ring. And then we wait like a solid like 45 seconds for the third ring. But the acting like there's there's a uh, like so much goes on between the second and third ring. But it's all like like, there's a shot that I remember of Jack Pounce's face where he goes from like throughout the whole thing. He goes from being like, shit, I might die to being like this little puke ain't got shit on me. And it's just in his face. Yep. And and the other guy goes through a similar, uh, you know, sort of fear into confidence arc. And and what was so wild about it is that as they're going through that, in between these last two bells, I'm going, throughout the course of this movie, both of these men have shown me many examples where they would clearly be the winner in this situation as well as the loser. Yes. So I have no clue how it's going to go. And so now I'm going, fuck, ring the bell, dude.
3: Yeah. It was so
0: so well done and the music has everything to do with it i didn't even think about that but you're right about the whistling it's just a chirp at first and then it's its own just melodious haunting tone by the end yeah um yeah it's 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 just wonderful that that is one of the best showdowns and it's got such a satisfying uh way of resolving should we just go into it
2: oh yeah for sure because you're right it's like you don't know what's going to happen and when it finally does happen, what we see is Paco fall over and uh, um, uh, Curly remains standing with a confident smile on his face that he has shot down Paco. Uh, and I honestly, in that moment, I was like, oh, of course, that's the way it went. You know, yeah. like my bot, I had this two like, wins. Yeah, my body just kind of like oh, God, I just felt it all come out of me. Like I just ah, oh, man, of course. But and then he had
0: that line earlier where he was like, "No, no, no, I don't play because then you can lose." Right. And it's like, oh, he had to have figured out a way to make it so that he can't lose. He's that yep. type of
2: guy. Yeah. And and I just man, it deflated me. But the camera lingers on Curly, and Curly is where now. Uh, the thing to say about Curly is that he's a a man of quote unquote high class or yes. sees himself that way. And so he's always dressed to the nines. He's dressed better than every other character in the movie, and he Which shows up. Which is why it
0: was so effacing for him to be stripped down.
2: Yes, yes. um,
0: at, at, in that earlier scene,
2: yeah. And so he shows up to this duel in a nice suit, uh, you know, three-piece black suit with a white flower on the breast pocket, and yep. as he's standing there, confident and proud of himself for finally killing Paco. We just start to see some red flow out into the white flower on his breast pocket. As we that realize oh.
3: a
0: moment for all of cinema.
2: Agreed. Cause I had
0: the Agreed. same feeling where I, I was like, yeah, well I, why, what did I expect? Why did I yep. expect Paco to win? And then as
2: soon as he hit it, I was like, you motherfuckers, that That's was so delicious. So great. Uh! And, it, and it's not even like, they don't even have to pull any weird punch. It's not even like Paco was wearing a piece of body armor or didn't get shot the way we thought he did. He also got shot. He just didn't die from his wounds, you know, like yeah. uh, 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 Curly did, you know, like, yeah, it's, is I really it, is it that.
0: established that he definitely died. Uh, I, know maybe we were not. Little... I don't know.
2: I think we just kind of leave that scene. I don't, I don't really know. Does he show up at the end in a, like, I'll
0: still be watching you guys sort of way.
2: No, I mean, no, 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 never. I don't no, think so. The, it's, it's the, it's the other gun general yeah. guy. Yeah. It's it's the other general guy that does that whole thing at the end. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Garcia.
2: Yeah. 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 And uh, man, yeah, but I'm with you, man. That is such an incredible duel, and and I think that that duel it, is a great way. And for mind us to...
0: you, one man is dressed completely
2: like a clown. Yes, literally in face paint and everything. Literally in full-on clown paint yeah. and a
0: full-on clown costume. It, it's it's such a weird mix of just idiosyncratic choices that don't read classic western, and it makes the most classic classic western showdown yep. uh, th- that I've ever seen. It was awesome.
2: It literally feels like Corbucci was like. I'm gonna like as if you know how there's those things where it's like make a movie in two days challenge or whatever. Yeah, you know? It's almost like he was like, All right, uh this week's challenge is I'm gonna make the most badass Western of all time that starts with a shot of a clown. Uh yeah. and and then we will Work build backwards a, from there. Exactly. And then build a movie where you care when that clown gets shot at the end of the movie, you know? Uh
0: and, and I cared. And honestly, at no point was I like, it's ridiculous! He's a clown." I was just right. like, "Man, Paco's in it." I know. <laughs> He's gonna know. get shot, maybe.
2: Yeah, but and so you know, and then there is like a kind of coda to the movie, which is then both of them, but the the uh, both the Polish and Paco uh, basically end up getting uh, arrested for, uh, I guess, for their revolution. But it, it you know, because like ultimately, it is that general that arrests them, right?
0: Well, what it is, is um, uh, Kowalski says, okay, you know, you survived, but uh, there's a pretty hefty reward on your head. Right. And I oh, I mean to collect it because you, you, in. you right. took my money and this will at least get yep. me some of that money back. So yep. figure this is right. you paying me back. And then as they're doing that, uh, Paco's wife, who I don't fully understand how her turn being disgusted to being completely upset with him, um, Dan, repeat,
2: yeah. Repeat that. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: His his wife. Yeah. Saw him being led away.
2: Knew that knew
0: the office that they were heading to to have him turned in and tried to beat them there.
3: Right. Yes. Um, right. But
0: what I was saying was, I actually don't understand her character turn from not being into Paco to being extremely into Paco.
2: Yeah. I I'm not exact. I feel like that might just be like I think the the probable answer is. 1960s Italian cocaine director is, you know, yeah. like, sexy lady, make good wife for hero character. You know what I mean? like
0: It just but, feels weird because she's, like, clearly sweating
2: Kowalski, and then yeah. after the scene where he makes Paco look ridiculous
0: and puts him in the mud and all that, she's suddenly, like, super into Paco.
3: I
2: um,
0: but, I didn't so, quite catch the read on that.
2: Well, I, I think if I had to say that there's, like, something going on in the story beyond my sort of ridiculous, you know, uh, assumption about what it might be, uh, I think that's probably the correct assumption. Right? As I mean, but, it sounds. I, it, I don't think yeah, that's too it, off. If if there was thought put to that, and, and 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 it's here in the movie, the only thing I could think is that, you know, Paco is as we move further into the movie, and especially past that scene of Kowalski embarrassing him, Paco is a revolutionary, at least to these people, right? Like yeah. he is actually becoming a revolutionary. He is becoming a hero to the working like Mexican the man. And not only is she maybe actually into that, uh, that is maybe a more clear path in her mind to just like a more secure life.
0: Do you know what yeah. I mean? Than then Kowalski. And she also seems to care about the revolution.
2: Yeah, yeah, she does. And I, so yeah. I
0: think that, yeah, it's like the mercenary does not, you know. Right, right. At yeah. least in, in that sense. So he has yeah. no personal stake in it because he's Polish. Right. But yeah, yeah, she sees him leading him away and goes, oh, he's going to the 51st precinct to turn him in. Right. So she knows that. Race is there because, you know, she's got a carriage and not a just a horse with him tied to the back of it. Right. And basically says, like, uh, yeah, Paco's going to be here. There's an award on his head and the guy who's coming in to bring him in, there's also a reward on his head. So, boom.
3: Pull them both. But then
0: we learn this was all part of her plan to bust them both out because she's hardcore.
2: Yes. It's like it's this great thing where, like, they basically both get arrested ostensibly for the revolution that they've performed together and are going to be put And are going to be put to death. Uh, And uh, it's this great scene where as they are literally standing against the wall with guns turned on them to be executed. It's only it seems to me it's only in that moment do they realize that she did not actually double cross them and has actually set all of this up in order to not just free them, but kind of perform one final coup in their revolution right like one kind i think of...
0: kowalski notices at the last second because he calls the audible telling her to shoot those barrels right. rather than the people right. or whatever it was she was gonna shoot oh no you know what it was it was the sheep yeah yeah she right, was gonna right. cause a stampede which i've seen stuntmen fall on boxes fall on fruit stands fall and like different things to be dynamic looking ways to break a stuntman's fall uh-huh. I have never before seen a stunt man breaking his fall with an actual herd of running sheep. And I counted <laughs> two in this movie and that's kind of all I needed. This movie could have <laughs> shit beyond that. And that was, that was it.
2: It was pretty awesome. Wait, there's also, why am I remembering this now? There's a really crazy death kind of early in the movie where like the camera pans one way to like, rev- like it shows us a weapon kind of like pans off screen and then pans back and a guy has been like impaled by that weapon. Oh, it was the um uh cuz there it's
0: the the guy who was going to shoot uh the mercenary for uh, yes. making him eat his loaded dice, which was yes. so badass. Yes, yes. And um but then he screwed up and he got his hand shot off. Right, and then Curly is talking to him, and he was like, "Listen, you know, I got a deal for you. You can get back at this guy." And in the background, there's just like oh, yes. a dude sharpening a wooden trident, like Peach a garden or- hoe.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, and then and then, so I'm I'm saying, you
1: see that?
0: But within a minute, right? But the way they did it was they followed Curly off screen, and you hear like, and then they go back, and he's got the thing impaled in him. Yes oh shit,
2: loved it sorry you reminded me of that i was like oh yeah there's a crazy i need to talk about that that was like a crazy scene in this movie
0: well yeah. i'll talk about this uh franco nero baseball bats two horses oh my god yeah holy he shit. grabs a like a tree and he literally just hits a horse that's charging directly at him in the head knocking it over brilliant yep. stunt horse or maybe he just hit a horse i don't know how they did things back <laughs> then uh, he does it to two horses that are going the other way and then just like hops on the one horse and rides off into the distance i was like that that motherfucker line drive two horses and then stole one that was insane yep Yep. with riders on each of them yeah i
2: think this is also the scene where he wields a gatling gun with his bare hands on a roof i feel like that's what happens in this finale scene uh yeah the the finale is pretty crazy where they they basically you know they uh these three kind of main characters escape our uh our our Mexican military again one last time or whatever, but it's really this all builds to this like actual final scene where Kowalski and um, Paco are like kind of riding off into the sunset together almost having like Mm. one final little philosophical debate about revolution. And, you know, Paco kind of leaves it on like, Hey, I'm going to keep fighting my revolution. Like Kowalski kind of offers him like, what if we went to work together? Like, yeah, Kowalski like we can make
0: a lot of money if we teamed up. We're we're pretty good, you and I.
2: He straight up literally says, there's always going to be a revolution and there will always be a counter-revolution, which means we will always be employable, which mm. is like a really kind of like cynical, you know, perspective. Yeah, on, he was like, play both sides, get happening. rich in a couple yeah.
3: years, retire. Exactly, yeah. And and
2: Paco says, like, no, I believe in my revolution. Like, I'm I'm going to fight. And, and Kowalski kind of sends him off with a, like, well, I guess I respect your ideals, you know, like that kind of thing. But then the actual final thing that happens in the movie is that as Paco commits to, I'm going to go fight my revolution, he's immediately tailed by the Mexican military and almost executed, were it not for Kowalski, who performs one free act of yep. killing all of those men and allowing Paco to actually ride off safely into his revolution. And so I didn't even kind think of... about it in
0: terms of one free act, but you're right. That really does. Wow. Yeah.
2: And and it's as you were kind of labeling some of the characters before as like capitalists and revolutionaries and like it is an interesting kind of, uh, you know, I this is like this is a spaghetti Western that is so much fun. And that yeah. I think is like what this movie that's why I love this movie so much. But if there is something going on in this movie, it's in those final seconds where it's like it seems to have kind of a like bleak, cynical outlook on this where it does like. This revolution requires that Kowalski, you know, be there to watch the revolutionaries back. You know, it doesn't seem like his ideals actually are going to get him anywhere. You know what I mean? Like his ideals are only going to get him so far, if if that makes any sense. I don't know.
1: See, I have
0: a more hopeful thing to it because I think it actually shows a complete a complete arc because uh, we think Paco's arc is done before this happens because Mm -hmm. he goes, no, I have to keep fighting my revolution. You go, that's really good.
3: Yes. That's right.
0: even though that's always been important to him, I think through this this thing, there's a little less ego about him now. Right. And he really he's proving now that like money is secondary. He wants to do this revolution. Beautiful. Right. And so this only because of what you said is coming clear now. So yeah. his arc's almost complete. Um the mercenary, we're at risk of leaving the movie with him just still being the same guy, just pay me right. or not. But he does do this one free act because he goes, you know what? This revolution needs to happen, and it cannot happen if this guy is dead. Yeah, I gotta yeah. go make my money, but I gotta do one. I gotta do something good, and here's an opportunity to do it. Yeah. Um. And because the mercenary at the beginning would be like, "Motherfucker went through all this, and now he's gonna die." Yeah. Peace. Slaps yeah. the horse's ass and rides off into the sunset. Um, da da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, but he he performs that free act and in that finishes paco's arc because the 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 hopeful person in me says paco goes shit i am on my own i really am going to have to watch my back so i'm going to keep dreaming for this revolution but i'm gonna do it with my eyes eyes
3: open yeah yeah,
0: i'm gonna keep my eyes on the road and make sure i look over my shoulder my back and all that so I, i think that's that's, like, a really great moment with you. to complete I like that. both their arcs. I, I, I like that. I, I want to read it hopeful, especially because of the big, uh, of that the score that I was just doing with my mouth. Yes, yes. Um, the big, successful, like, kind of circus-y score. Yeah. I love the, uh, that's first employed in a moment earlier on when it's just like, yee we got away with it, yippee kaye. Yep. And I think at the end has a more hopeful note of, like, Viva La Revolution, you know? Let's, yeah, yeah let's do this. Mercenary's gonna go out there and maybe he's gonna be a little less cold. Yeah, and, you know, maybe this guy's gonna be cautious enough that he can really further his cause before before it's too late. I, I, I love like, it. I think it's I fantastic. I like that read.
2: Yeah, that's great. And, and it's, I, to speak to the, just, like, because it's a great story, actually, which is, like, one of the things that I liked about it so much. I was just, like, you know, the whole time, I was just, like, wrapped up in it. I was really, I really liked the relationship between these characters as it built <laughs> over the course of the movie. But it's a fucking banger of a movie like Corbucci is a great director this thing the action in. sequences
0: are great
2: yeah I mean dude there's that scene where they have a plane and they're like yes. bombs on like the town and like clearly they got a plane for one hour and just got yeah. six shots of it flying over top right but like with timed explosives yeah it's like he does he gets just a, I don't know it's edited just right and in just the right way that like he really makes that shit feel like big and explosive and like yeah, we got planes dropping bombs. You know what I mean? Even though it's like, probably did not actually get that. You got, you know, like, it's yeah, yeah. just crafty, like filmmaking. It's, this movie is so It looks tight. great. Yeah. There's so many, I mean, like, even like the action
0: sequences I was talking about earlier, where they're dropping people on like running sheep and all that. Yeah. It was just like, how do we put more motion in here? Let's get a herd of sheep. Yep. Oh, look yep. at that. They can break a fall too. Go, go, go. Yeah. Um, when they're driving in the the tank and he's got, not the tank, the truck and he's got yes. the machine gun on yes. the top. That's there's no like point to point bullet to reception of bullet kind of shooting going on. It's pure chaos, but it's done in such a way that's artistic and and like it kind of reminded me of like when you watch Hardboiled. Yeah, it's it's always at risk of becoming nonsense.
3: Yeah, but it
0: never does, and that's like what what makes Hardboiled such a legendary thing. But I think that's mostly captured here as well. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. it's just so exciting. There's something about the action I wanted to say. Oh yeah. In the, uh, in the uh, scene where they're fighting in the pig slop and all that? Yes. My man Paco definitely picks up an entire chicken coop with chickens <laughs> in it and just fucking throws it at Franco Nero. Chickens go to eat. That blew my mind. I was like, there's,
2: they're just throwing chickens now. Do you remember there's also, and I think it's the, it might be the end of that scene. There's a shot where like either a chicken gets thrown at Franco Nero or like he just catches one while it's flying away. But like, he literally just like grabs a chicken out of the air and just it's crazier and starts petting it. He just like
0: he has. No, it's a uh, Paco's got a chicken in his scarf. Yeah. Yeah. And then he tries to hit Kowalski with the chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Kowalski catches the chicken like it ain't no thing.
2: scolds Paco for it and then like accepts the chicken as his little buddy it's (laughs) It's wild that like it gets violently thrown at him and somehow Franco because like you can't there's no way you could train a chicken to do this (laughs) Franco Nero just gives off I'm a good friendly man energy to this chicken and catches it out of thin air and immediately the chicken relaxes in his arms and he's just like petting it
0: Paco's holding it by the feet yeah. And he swings the chicken's head at him. I, I rewound it like ten times because it blew it's my mind. So Franco Nero catches it under the wing, like yeah. the thing's wing upside right. down, and just like with with like with like a a magician's deft of hand, yes. just immediately has it in in you know Godfather petting the cat position. Yes, which is funny because one, it's like chickens cannot be controlled, especially not for cinema. Yeah, and two, he does it so smooth that. Like Paco can only just be like, Hey, yeah, well that's what happened. I guess, I guess <laughs> yes. he can't hit this guy with a chicken. Can you? <laughs> <It is> this... <laughs> wild. That's the end of my attack. Like, if wild. I can't get him with a chicken, what am I going to get him with?
2: Dude, When I rewatched it this week and that happened, it was one of those moments where I was like, I was like, Oh my God. I remember this specifically. And somehow, when it happened the first time, my brain didn't, like, notate it. Like, yeah. it took watching it again it's this time to be like, what the fuck just happened?
0: Like how your brain had a trauma response. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, mining old memories. Yes. <laughs>
2: it's like, why yeah, didn't th- I flag this
0: the first time? This is insane. It's filled with so many banana pants elements. And it's yeah. like, yeah, but but they all work. Like, they do. Okay, here's a question. At the very beginning, there seems to be a part where on a nice hot day, uh, Franco Nero is enjoying a raw egg.
2: Yes. Oh, okay. What
0: is
3: I that? Wanted to,
2: okay. I wanted to ask about this. <laughs> I have seen this happen in like a dozen movies in the yeah. last like three months. Now, I'm not saying a dozen 2021 movies. I've just been watching a lot of movies from a yeah. lot of different eras. And I, I've been seeing people do this thing. where I they did see it once
0: recently as well, and I don't remember
2: where it seemed here's the thing i think i've seen it with both hard-boiled and raw eggs in movies so i don't okay. even i don't i can't even that doesn't help me i thought maybe knowing which of those two things it was would help me it doesn't because i think i've seen it with both where people have a little spoon and they're holding an egg and they tap 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 the top of the egg with their little spoon and then they crack it off and then when with the raw ones which i think is what's happening here. They seem to just drink it like it's a shot.
0: Yeah, they slurp it. It's the weirdest. Because I I eat a hard-boiled egg sometimes. Right. And that is just you break the shell off. Right. You tap it to shatter the shell, and then you just eat the egg that's boiled. But, like, I certainly couldn't
2: drink that. No. I So it has to be uncooked. And I think I've seen this happen in, like, a bunch of things recently. Where, like, in movies that are taking place at least a century ago... People just have raw eggs. They crack them open, in a little spoon and they down them like it's a shot. I, dude, I, I was hoping you could tell me. I don't know what the fuck that is.
0: My only reference point is Rocky where it makes him stronger.
1: Right, um, right.
0: And so I think that was before we understood that raw eggs could lead to sickness. Right, but yeah. also, uh, you know, because honestly, if you're drinking raw egg, that is just pure vitamins. I mean, and that okay. is the that is the seeds of life right there.
1: Right.
0: You know, that's why eggs have per- have persisted is because they are a nutrient dense and rich food. It's a good right. protein. Okay. I personally love eggs. Yeah, me too. Um, but two things: one, um, the rates of salmonella to raw egg consumption are extremely low. Yeah. I'm not saying go out and eat raw eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, I'm going to say don't eat raw eggs. Yeah. But that is one of those uh, sort of American hysteria things that we enjoyed because it made good TV for a while and just kind of <laughs> right. stuck.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, it's not too common, uh, even in a notable sense, to do that. Also, right. in foreign countries such as Italy or wherever, they don't refrigerate eggs. Oh. Eggs only need to be refrigerated once you refrigerate them. And in America, we went the refrigerating route. And in a lot of other countries, you get your eggs like next to your apples where it's just there. And um, I think they probably don't keep as long, but they're totally fine. Yeah. So I think that 1968 pre-Salmonella... it's probably culturally Uh normal to just pop open an egg and drink it. That would be my guess.
2: I'm with you though. It blew my mind. And I, when it happened, when I was watching this this week and it happened, I was like, I've seen this in like four moods. Like I've like literally this week, I've seen this happen like four times. And every time I'm like, what are these people doing? Yeah. Like what is, why? Yeah. Make a nice egg white omelet. As if this is like some sort of like known delicacy of the, you know, 19th century or something, you know, maybe it is, you
0: know, it's, Eggs are crazy because they're in everything, but I'll tell you what, if I was the only person alive and I had a million chickens, it would take me a long time before I even thought to eat an egg.
3: <laughs> um,
0: and, and when I did, I would be really, really weirded out about it. Yeah. Um, so the normal normalization of eggs feels to me to be monumental, and I love eggs. So
2: um, who, who knows? Well, I will say, in general, there's like some elements of this movie that, and I could be wrong about this, but feel somewhat like anachronistic to me. Like you know uh, there are enough vehicles in this movie that it makes me think i don't know maybe i maybe i'm not maybe i don't know enough about my history but i just it feels like oh the, it couldn't have been like this quote unquote cowboy era and there be like this many cars around do you know what i mean yeah, like yeah that it,
0: never even occurred to me until now
2: it feels like it's like a little bit mixing and matching a couple different eras of like cowboy mythology history you know what I I'm mean? I'm just gonna
0: write Mexican Revolution into Wikipedia because that's how we do things here in twenty twenty one. Oh uh-huh. I just typed Wikipedia into Wikipedia. <laughs> it's been a long ass week. Good idea. Mexican Revolution. Uh, major nationwide struggle in Mexico. Between nineteen ten and nineteen twenty. So feasibly okay. motor vehicles could be there. Totally.
2: Do we think that yeah, well, but I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know enough about this history. So maybe I, I just, you know, don't don't know enough about this stuff to, well, to pick I mean.
0: I think it probably is a little bit of, you know, half a dozen one. Yeah. Six, the other, like it's, yes, it's feasible to think that there's vehicles here. And so it was probably just, that's probably as much as they thought about it It was like, yeah, they had cars in that time. And you know what? We have a car and we have a machine gun. Let's put them together and make ourselves a motherfucking movie. Pass me that mirror with the Coke on it so I can
2: do it. That's what I mean. Yeah. It does feel like it's a little bit just sort of like playing a little fast and loose with like kind of just general, like cowboy mythology imagery and like what they, you know, they knew about that history or whatever. But I like that. Like, that's a fun element of this movie. As you said, it's like at some point we're getting like a fucking machine gun on a moving car that they just seem to kind of build in the moment, you know, and it, it mm-hmm. is fucking cool as hell. It's really fun. Oh, it's so cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I, movie... I just love the way ammo sounds in these movies and looks oh, and feels. It's just yeah. so like crazy and calamitous.
2: You can feel where Tarantino comes from when you watch a movie like this too, because it is just cool. Like this is just a cool movie, and it's not to say that it's devoid of anything. Like we had a really nice conversation, I think, about like some things that are might actually be going on, you know, under the hood here. But we bumped
0: up we bumped up some stars just talking about it when I ultimately logged this on my Letterboxd.
2: But it is cool. Like, it's just yeah. it's a cool fucking movie. It's like it's a bunch of cool characters being fucking cool in a, in a bunch of cool scenes, you know, and you could kind of feel where Tarantino comes from as a filmmaker from, you know, where it's like it does feel like that's kind of the modus operandi of, a, of any tar- any given moment in a Tarantino movie is like, yeah, there might be some emotional weight here. There might be blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, it needs to be cool. Like, mm-hmm. as long as it's cool, it will work, you know?
0: And and that's what, one of the things that I find so infectious about Tarantino is that if he has an ever-arching thesis about anything, I would say it's probably, movies are cool. Mm-hmm. And so he's really good at gauging, like, if we up the cool factor, we can actually get buy other things and he just happens to be good at those other things too but like that energy is in these older movies where there were more limitations to what they could do
1: totally so
0: it's like just make it cool man fucking run the sheep and and do that and they they won't notice any mistakes we make and they were right and that energy is kind of what i love about movies is like the goal of every movie should be like let's make this something that people want to watch you know whatever that means to you and so i like how in you know, spaghetti western. It meant like people want to watch some fucking horses, some guns. We got to throw a car in there, go. You know, I love that.
2: I also gotta imagine that if I'm if you know if I'm sitting at a whatever a grindhouse theater in 1968, and I'm watching, uh, I like uh, westerns, and they're coming out all the time. They're pumping these things out, right? And so I'm see and and so I'm I'm gonna relate it to Marvel movies, but like so I'm seeing a lot of these coming out a lot, right? And eventually I probably start getting a little bored by them. They probably all start seeming a little samey. Mm. To your point, a lot of these movies are made under like pretty dire financial restrictiveness, you know? Um, they 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 are not working with like big budgets or anything. I would imagine you see this movie in the midst of all of that. Oh, and this, yeah. And this is like Thor Ragnarok. You know what I mean? It's like this is this is one that really you just like watch and you're like, there's so much actual yeah I i'll know. watch Art- this one again yeah yeah and there's just so much actual like artistic merit to what's being done within those bounds here you know like but it's like remember
0: when we were awash with like as we transitioned from from jackie chan to wusha right. we were just awash with like martial arts movies and like and it was great because there were so many of them but like there were a few stinkers in there but yep. that makes the gold rise up where you go man like the raid yeah, yeah, yeah. right. boom on you're in you know like yeah and so those rise up where you know tuxedo <laughs> okay yeah we had fun uh, yeah. you can go do some of you know
2: yeah yeah I, I think it's it's just remarkable when you watch this and go like yeah i mean this is probably as cheap as any of these other spaghetti westerns which there are a billion of but this one like looks and feels like a, a quote-unquote a real fucking movie you know what i mean it's like it's just mm-hmm. like this is they nailed absolutely. it Yeah, I love the way this is directed. It's like
0: whenever, uh, oh man, I'm going to say this and just get sad. Whenever uh, X-Fest, amidst X-Fest, amidst amidst all of the fun grindhousiness that we have, there's always one movie where you go, that one was like, that one was like good though, right? That one was actually like a good movie. And like this has that vibe where like you could just be watching ridiculous westerns and be like, I'm going to buy that one though. Like that one I'm going to get. I Actually, the the one from um, 1X Fest, Face to Face.
1: Mm-hmm. One of my favorite westerns one.
0: okay i I just I couldn't find it on anything but d v d but i I got the d v d of it because I want to watch it again, but that was one of those where um i, I forget in what format it was being shown at x fest. It might have been like a couple westerns, and that one was just like the one that popped,
1: yeah. but I think
0: it's interesting you compared it to Marvel because Spielberg had a quote on that at some point mm. um where someone in an interview asked Spielberg something to the effect of of like you know the glut of superhero movies that was yeah, coming yeah. out and he was like well you know it's like westerns you know people started yeah. figuring out how to make them then they made a ton of them and then we just kind of got tired of them and moved on like we'll move yeah. on from this eventually yeah yeah and yeah. so it, it's funny that you made that same parallel
2: yeah yeah, and, yeah but and, i think and, it's accurate and i'm only making that parallel too to to more point out the and you know i guess it happens it, it would only be if you agree with me about ragnarok feeling so unique among those movies yeah. but like, oh i would you agree know, yeah uh, just finding a way to do something that pops within the bounds of everything mm. else, you know, and uh, yeah, I just, I'm, this movie is so fucking impressive, but it's also, that's the thing, it's like this is one of those movies where you can recommend it to anybody because yeah. I think it's like a, a really impressive, you know, if you're a, a deep movie nerd fan or whatever, it is a very impressive movie. You watch it and you're like, the filmmaking here is fucking incredible and there's no reason to be, you know, it's like, it's like, even in that mud fight that we were talking about before, there's the God. one there's that one thing it's where so it good. does the close-ups on them as they're yeah. like spinning with each other, and it's like they didn't need to put this shot in here. This is one of those movies that is too cheap to spend the time to do this shot, but they did it anyway. Like it's they have that's
0: in a lot of you know? westerns though. They coming right at the camera yeah, with it's the true. punch. Yeah, but watching it though, I was watching, I was going, look at this. They're doing almost shaky cam to do kinetic work and like right. hide the fact that they don't have good choreography. Right. Yet they're doing it so artistically, like. When they do it in movies now, it's like, oh, you're just hiding the fact that you didn't have time to do it. Right. Uh, this is there's it's the same function where they're doing it to like hide it, but instead of just empty shaking, it's like artistic movement. Yeah. I, it was. I, I actually had a note about it. I said, uh, the, I said the shot when when the Polak hits Paco after he falls behind the barn into pig slop felt like I got punched. Right. And the very first punch he throws, they do like almost like the shaft thing, like the like that yeah. as he does it. And it is yes. it just ooh, it works. And it's a it's something that never even happened. He never even hit him. But, man, right. it connects. Yeah, it's so cool.
2: It's great. I, I just this movie, you know, but the, but then it also it just is like really good, entertaining, like classic kind of like when my dad says, like, yeah, I love a good Western. Like, yeah this is what he means. You know what I mean? It's like, a, a, this is just a good, fun, I feel like I can show watch. it to like a, a
0: decently like cool older kid. Right. And they wouldn't be bored by it. And might have, like, if I, if I had like a, like a nephew that was like, actually I could probably show it to my niece. Although she's now into, she wants to be a doctor. So she's like into medicine stuff. Uh, so maybe a Western wouldn't take, but like yeah. if I had, you know, a kid in my life that was like 14 or 15 and I could just yeah. be like, check this out it's actually real good I, yeah. I think they were just like that was really entertaining in its own right
3: yeah i agree like yeah, it it's... watches yeah
0: actually you know even my niece who's like four she would probably <laughs> love it even not knowing what's going on
2: yeah uh boy i i'm so glad that you like this as much as i did i i really I loved, loved this movie man it was
0: it, it just immediately i don't know it just it just watches uh, i want to yeah. see if i have a oh yeah i think there was the one scene that was really funny where they just suddenly had um They they all got dressed up as the uh, as like
3: uh, Mary
0: and Jesus and all or whatever it was for the parade and it's like yeah they just got the they just did that go for it yeah
2: that scene is fucking great uh like watching it a second time it made a little more sense to me like I cut the first time I had that same feeling where I was like I oh I don't know how we got here but this is fun well it wasn't
0: how we got here it was they like they built all these costumes and got hired as the parade people like what did what does yes. the mercenary know? But it didn't matter because the smash cut of him being like, no, 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 we're religious. And he holds yes. up the picture. And then it turns to, uh, and now I forget the the woman's name, what that character is. But her with the beard as Jesus is so great. It's such a great fade. And it's a great punchline that I don't care that uh, it's illogical that they would all suddenly have props and a parade float and all that. Yes.
3: Club, you know, it's like when we joke
0: about, like, where did Spider-Man get the suit? It's like, actually, I, I'm good. I don't even care. <laughs> yeah, true. Like, just, it's great. It looks great. Uh, and so, yeah, this is a great, funny scene. And then a killer action sequence when they light that place up.
2: Yes, dude. It's so good. I know. It, yeah. The, and it, the movie really is, like, a, a montage of, like, action sequences. But they have just enough, like, character drama between each of them that, I don't know, I was just, like, fully in this movie. Like, I really, oh, really yeah. like it. Love it's the a way very it comfy
0: movie to be in. It's yeah. funny. It's light. The cinematography is incredible. I like a movie that has good clouds. And this movie uh-huh. has some absolutely fantastic clouds. Yes. Um, it, it was just beautiful. I wanted to like screenshot every picture, but you can't because you can't screenshot the television. That's right. um, and then I, want, I wrote down a question that I'm going to ask you. Please. Um, based on something that happens in this movie.
2: Would you eat a lizard? that is so funny. Would I eat a lizard? Uh, you mean, wait, but uh, no, okay, no, I, I thought about this both times I watched it. I know exactly why you're asking me this. Because the way it's presented in the movie is like, it's yes, like Maybe they
0: just eat lizards.
2: That's what they had. Well, I, I, they, like, they presented as like, okay, so it's a scene where like, it, it's early in the movie. Paco's not a revolutionary yet. They're, they're working at the mine. It's, uh, they make it very clear that the guys that run the mine are 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 basically mistreating the workers. They're not giving them what they deserve. They're not even really feeding them well. And they give Paco some slop for lunch, and it's got a lizard in his slop, right? Yes. I'm, I'm right about that. I got all these details, right. Yes. and so yeah. and this is the thing that finally, and I get this, by the way, this is, like, it's one of those things that's funny, but it's also like as somebody that has been working like as a lowly worker now for a while, <laughs> yeah. I totally get this. He gets given a lizard in his slop for the day and he's like, this is the fucking last straw, dude. Yeah. He's
3: like, well, cause he says a- to the
2: guy, like, you fucking kidding me? And the
0: guy's like, that's your protein. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Right. Like, yeah. we had to put some kind of dead animal in there because that's where protein comes from. Cause that's what we know. Yeah. And yeah. And so, but, like, I imagine, like, there probably was, like, back in the day, like, if lizards were abound, someone probably fried them up.
2: Maybe. But because the thing that's presented is that then, you know, uh, they they take over the mine, right? This is what what follows is they all approach the guys that run the mine. And he basically says, like, I'll make you eat this shit, right? And he, like, hands that guy the lizard. And that guy immediately eats the lizard, right? Like, that is just the next thing that happens. Now, I think they all pull guns on him. Is that right?
0: Um, I don't remember.
2: I, that's the thing is I can't remember how they actually take over the mine. All I remember is that Paco forces that guy to eat a lizard. And that guy seems to have no resistance to eating a lizard.
0: I think they do put a gun on him and he just has to eat it. Like, yep, okay. no problem. I'll yeah, eat it because yeah. I don't want to die. All right. So, okay. So, let me let me rephrase it this way. Let's say you're traveling to wherever, just another country where the customs are different. Yes. And presented to you yes. is a presumably healthy because that's what they sure. do there. It's like grilled, uh,
2: it's on a you know, stick, like, it's got a little sauce. It's yeah, like,
0: exactly. Yeah. And I feel like I've actually probably seen pictures of that at like a street market or I'm just thinking of Blade Runner. Uh-huh. But
2: uh, I do think I would. Presented it in, that in that situation, that would you try? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, think I, I would, would
0: too. Yeah, I'd be curious. I bet a lizard could be tasty. Yeah, because I always think about I watched this show back in the day. I think it was called Taboo. And um, it just went to things in other cultures that were taboo. And there was a food episode and uh, there was a place that ate like eggs that were like boiled fetal ducklings. But they have a big festival. Actually, you know, what? they boil them. But they break open the egg, they drink out the fluid, and then they pull out the little fetal duckling and swallow it whole. It's the weirdest thing, but they love it. And people eat hundreds of them. And uh, it was disgusting to see. But when asked, you know what these people think is disgusting? Chicken wings. Whoa. They were like, the way Americans eat chicken wings is revolting. And they had the same reaction that I had to them eating these fetal duckling eggs. Yeah. And it's like. There's just a couple miles between us. That's, that's yeah, yeah, what's yeah. causing this difference. Like, I was literally there's a few thinking... There's thousand miles between us.
2: I was literally so thinking, maybe. As, you, as you asked me the lizard question more specifically like that, I was thinking like, yeah, I would actually. Like, if I was in a different city in a different country and they presented me a cooked lizard and it was clear that it was like,
1: you know... Yeah, something uh, uh, you could
2: do. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I would. But then I thought, I literally, as I was saying yesterday, I thought, I was like, well, but what if it was a dog? Like, what if it was just some other animal that they presented to me that way? If it was a dog, I would not. Yeah, I would
0: have trouble with that. Like the the Anthony Bourdain in me would be like, do it for the story, see yeah. if just open your mind. Yeah.
2: But the me in me would be like, I miss Bourdain. I know. Like, I don't think that I. W- and so it's like I don't know. So then what? What line am I really drawing when I say that? You know what I mean? It is just yeah. cultural. It is just like. And that's it. I
0: mean, I don't know what I was even trying to explore. It was just more like. Would you or wouldn't you? No, I know that's like, really, it is it's actually a very interesting think, question. Though.
3: Yeah,
0: I think one of the craziest questions that we should always ask ourselves is like, if I was born a thousand miles to the left of where I was born, would I believe and think the same things that I, that I think?
3: Right, and yeah.
0: the question I think invariably is at least to some degree, no, and potentially wildly opposite, you know, you never right. know. And that's something that I think is, is worth remembering, but Always only comes to my mind in terms of like food. And because I, I think chicken wings are the best, I uh-huh. love them. Uh-huh. And uh, but I could definitely understand why someone would look at that and be like, dude, no, uh-huh. <laughs> like, that's a weird uh-huh. thing. So you know, yeah, it just depends on what it is.
2: That, is. that is so interesting. I love that uh, this uh, uh, spaghetti western got us to the philosophical question of would you eat a dog, bro? <laughs>
0: I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's a that's a it's a deep question if you choose to let it be. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and also, while we were talking, I just want to throw this out there. So they said, uh, nineteen ten to nineteen twenty was the uh, uh, Mexican Revolution, Mexican Revolution yeah. around that time. So yeah. it's feasible that there's cars. So then, to answer the question of, is that still? At least, time, like this is definitely a Western, but in yeah. time period wise, does that correlate? Yes, it does, because when you search "Old West" in in uh, Wikipedia, uh, it's it brings up the article for American Frontier, yeah. um, and it has noted that if I searched "Wild West," it would also bring me here too. Yeah, and so the American Frontier uh, period of America yes. uh, ended in 1912. So okay. it would still fit into that if our loose, uh, ethnocentric Wikipedia understanding yes, of yes, the right. period, as we've exhibited, is uh, is correct. But I, I think the the timeline correlates, and even yeah. if it didn't, you know, because now we apply Western to, you know, like Django Unchained is a Western, yeah. but that's a Southern. Right. You know, we we apply these old West things to. Uh, I mean back to the future 2 is a western and then back <laughs> to the future 3 is a western you know it's, it's things like that so yeah, uh, well, it's, I, it's a lot of fun
2: i think the interesting thing about the western genre in particular is the way that it is like i don't even know how to like fully go down this road but like a a, a uh, genre that is re- continually recontextualized over and over again because it's like it is an adaptation of samurai movies, which are an adaptation of yeah. cowboy movies, which are an adaptation of samurai movies, which are not, you know, it's like it is this weird kind of like going back and forth between kind of like, I don't know. It, it is definitely a genre that has been in conversation with pretty much every corner of the globe, every piece of each corner of the globe's history. Like, it, it, it is interesting yet, how it is. And then we look at Kill been, Bill, like, that's yeah. the
0: Samurais and a Western mashed up. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, you get things like uh, Hell or High Water. It's like that's a western. That is a contemporary western. Yeah. Um, Hold the Dark or Wind River are all things where you're like, these are kind of westerns, but like a different, you know, just a different frontier, I guess. Uh, Totally. I mean, uh... space cowboys. You've got. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I would say that uh, if I could call one space movie a space western to a degree, I would give it to Astro Dad.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's I enough made, elements a, there that
0: I think it, I yes. wouldn't necessarily say it's a Western, but like there's some space stern elephants, elephants, elements in it. There's no elephants. Uh, there is one weird animal that does so well, though. <laughs> One very surprising animal moment.
2: <laughs> For sure, yes. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm just enjoying giggling uh, with you about this, as opposed to revealing it. It's, yeah. It. Yeah, I won't reveal it
0: in case nobody's no. seen. We're talking about uh, Ad Astra. Not Ad Astra. Yeah, Astra yeah sorry, that's right. We like should say, yeah. uh, no, Ad but there a great is one movie. animal you element it. that definitely caused me to do Blew this thing. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep. laughs> it was that reaction.
2: Blew my mind
0: fucking incredible movie
2: too i really like that movie and i i'm with you i i know what you mean when you call it a western and i i i would say that's true yeah and you I, know
0: what that has me linking to even like could i call really any of the mad max
2: movies a western
3: yeah
0: i certainly could
3: yeah i think so
2: yeah uh so anyway my only point in bringing that up was just like yeah i, I think that uh this is one of those genres that is so flexible in a certain uh, way, and and such in conversation with all this different stuff that uh, it doesn't really matter to me uh, if this is anachronistic in some way or accurate. So you know what I mean? It's like it doesn't mm-hmm. uh, like it. It is a western as much as we understand the genre of western to be. You know, which and
0: it's is kind a of good western, matters. yeah. And it's different from Magnificent Seven, which is also a really good western, you know. And it's I, different from Seven Samurai. Seven yeah. Samurai. That's the same fucking thing. It's different from like <laughs> even like a you know like Butch and Sundance. It's uh, right,
1: right,
3: yes. It's
0: different from a face to face. It's different from I'm going to name new ones. The Proposition or sl- fucking sure. slow west. That is the craziest yeah. riff on westerns ever. Yeah. But then you have like your Buster Scruggs, which <laughs> brings music into it. Man, There's so much mileage in a western, yeah. which is why you know whenever people go like oh i'm tired or like i'm tired of found footage it's like nah man just like get the there's there's good ones there that, that's no yeah. reason to stop yep go wild
2: yep. uh i think i have exhausted my tank on i'm uh, good
0: man the this is this movie kicks serious ass and i'm it's so just, glad you enjoyed it yeah it's and, and you know what, i'll even say this you should absolutely watch it it's totally available i get the blu-ray for cheap yeah. Um but if you don't watch it I bet you can probably find like a YouTube clip of that showdown. Yes. Um even context free there's no better trailer for the movie but you can just watch that and be like this is straight this filmmaking is just masterful. Yeah,
3: it's awesome. And very way, much I
0: coalesces think, into just like delicious medicine at that moment.
2: I think this movie is currently on Amazon Prime which I think I oh. think that like most people have so Fucking heck. Uh, yeah. Uh, very available. Watch this movie. It is worth watching. Great. Uh, and also uh, Django, I think, is currently on Amazon Prime. Uh, the oh, sixty-six cool. one. So um, uh, yeah, watch those, watch them. They're good. I will check that out for sure. Uh, let's uh, let's plug some stuff. Uh, you can find our show everywhere at I like two movie. It's numeric two. Uh, we're part of the Movie John Podcast Network now. So that's MovieJohn dot com. J A W N. Uh, and uh, you can find Dan and I. At moviejohn.com as well, uh, doing stuff. I I think we both have actually uh, some upcoming like uh, uh, columns and articles and things. Like uh, I don't know if I told yeah. you, I'm I'm, I'm going to do a thing called uh, uh, what was it calling it? Big ideas, small budgets. Uh, oh, nice. So I'm going to write about things like coherence and Cube and stuff like that. Uh, Got to start it with Alien. Oh, interesting. I That's I think the I'm going to start it all. I think B- I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with Coherence. Coherence is my favorite example yeah. of like really really small budget, huge idea. Time uh, crimes. Time crimes. That's a good example. It's a great Time idea. crimes. Get that yeah. in there.
3: Uh, well speaking
0: of crimes, I'm doing a true crime adjacent one. Yeah. I think I'm going to call it Crime Time, but I am not oh, sure That's yet. great. And I also uh, we're about to hit 25 years of Fargo, so I am oh, going cool. to uh do a uh, piece on Fargo uh next week.
2: That's great. Um I yeah, I'm going to have one coming out as like a I don't know, not, uh, retrospective is the wrong word for this because it's currently working, but like an Adam Wingard piece in the lead-up to uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Fucking uh, A. Yeah, so... Um, yeah. So funny, Ryan us- was
0: like, you want to do it like a, a Zack Snyder rewatch before uh, before Justice League? He was like, I figure you're the one who would actually want to do it. And I was like, yeah. I just don't think I have that much time. <laughs> so I declined, I declined. I was like, "I." I yeah. the man makes long movies and he's he made a few and I just... I don't have that much time, especially because most of it's about to be taken up by watching justice league, the, just for yeah. four and a half hour long. Justice
2: league. That's right. I was just going to say, you, who, who has the time when they're watching justice league?
0: Yeah. I got to get, I got to get warmed up.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, movie, Dan and I are both there. And then I'm ever on the internet at Philadelphia. That's uh, with an F
0: right on. Um, yeah. At Dan Scully on all of the things, uh, I yeah I don't know attends <laughs> going all the things um, oh yeah check out a uh, hot property uh, hot property podcast which actually this week we had a former movie movie guest on the show that. for hot property uh, because we have a segment where we're trying to get better at doing impressions uh, and so the master of the impressions himself Bennett Jones um, but the good news is Bennett Jones uh, will likely be gracing us here on movie movie uh, sometime in the. Uh, later in the year as yes. well, because uh, I couldn't love that man harder. He did an Alec Baldwin that you would not believe. <laughs> and if you want to hear it, you, you listen to Hot Property. It's on Spotify. Uh, and I'll throw out a plug for uh, Jenna's show, uh, Depp Impact, is also on the Movie John Podcast Network. Yeah. Um, and she is motoring through Johnny Depp movies, and I've gotten some of the the runoff, and it's been a fascinating delight. And uh, also check out Dumpster Fires for you on Instagram where she's selling upcycled candles that are really cool, such as like this one that I have that is this beautiful <laughs> Tostitos jar that has been made <laughs> into a candle. Pretty incredible. Well, uh, that. So check those things
2: out. That's great. Uh, yeah, and I have another podcast called uh, Killer Bees, at Killer BS Podcast. Is that uh, dropped yet? Uh, I don't think so, but it, like, it literally sh- I think by the time people are hearing this it should be... So th- there's one... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, oh. I think it's like happening now, uh, nice. la- launching now. Yeah, uh, you can hear us talk about um, uh, uh, John Saxon. That's uh, who we're launching with. Uh,
3: yeah. So, uh, finest Saxon, um, R.I.P. Yeah, I
2: know, I know. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie
1: movie.
2: <coughs> Sorry. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we we like like
1: to. to- Movie. Movie. (laughs) We're so tired. (laughs) I know.